0: Good day, listeners. This is your host, Michael Martins, with the Martins Critical Review, broadcasting for the final time from the studio here in Lake Country, British Columbia, with Mitch Carlson at the Production Controls. In today's program, we continue our series on the conservation of humanity, specifically exploring the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines for the Wuhan flu, dissecting what they really are, their potential risks and side effects, and whether they provide any benefits to the individual taking them or the population at large. We'll also compare and contrast the covid situation and government's response in several different jurisdictions joining us for today's episode are two highly esteemed former guests ted Kuntz, president of vaccine choice canada and dr stephen maltose md ted has a master's degree in counseling psychology and more than 25 years experience as a clinician and a consultant much of the wisdom that ted shares in his counseling sessions workshops and consultations didn't come from his formal training rather it came from his personal journey as the father of a vaccine injured child with severe disabilities Ted's journey with his son, Joshua, taught Ted how to make peace with life and take full advantage of the gifts and opportunities life offers. As the president of Vaccine Choice Canada, Ted and his team work to empower families to make educated, voluntary, and informed decisions about vaccination, how to protect your family from vaccine injury, and to support people in their right to health freedom and to maintain and further the individual's freedom from enforced medication. Dr. Maltos has been practicing medicine for over 43 years in a variety of settings in British Columbia, Canada. Dr. Malthouse has a particular interest in nutrition and how nutritional supplements can improve immunity, especially with respect to vitamin D deficiency and viral infections. He has worked in urban and rural family medicine practices, walk-in clinics, emergency rooms, and palliative care. Additionally, Dr. Maltose spent two years as a university researcher in Kathmandu, Nepal, in the field of childhood diseases. He is the current president of Canadian Integrative Medicine Association, a group of doctors across Canada who blend alternative therapies such as homeopathy and functional medicine, traditional medicine, ac- traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and orthomolecular medicine into regular medical office practice. Gentlemen, welcome back. It's great to have both of you joining us today, and even better to have both of you together. I've been looking forward to this episode. So, Ted, for those listeners who perhaps missed our first appearance uh, or your first appearance on the show, episode 41. Can you please sort of recount uh, with, to, to the listeners your story of how you became involved with Vaccine Choice Canada?
1: Sure. Uh, first of all, good morning, Michael. Good morning, Mitch, and Dr. Maltaus. Great to be with you again. Morning. Uh, my journey began uh, in 1984 when my son Josh was uh, severely injured by his first vaccine shot, which was the DPT shot. And it uh, resulted in Josh having an uncontrolled seizure disorder, which he experienced for his entire life um it was uh, uh, an incredibly challenging journey with my son uh, at the peak of uh, his uh, seizure disorder he was seizing 12 to 15 times a day. each seizure was 15 to 20 minutes long and it was it was excruciating. Uh, we exhausted all that traditional medicine had to offer. when Josh was five, uh, a neurologist at Vancouver's children's Hospital suggested we not come back and that was when I really recognized that the uh, allopathic uh, uh, paradigm was not going to help my son and began to explore alternatives. But it also caused me to begin to question uh, what we were told about safe and effective vaccines because clearly uh, there was no doubt in my mind the vaccine injured my son. I saw the uh, denial and disregard of the medical system, which uh, sent off alarm bells, and it really caused me to become uh, first of all, a researcher to say, okay, what, 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 is, what does the science say? And I quickly learned that what the science says about vaccines and what the doctors or the medical system says are two different things. And then I I realized I had a responsibility to uh, help to educate other parents to say that you have to do your homework on this topic. You don't just uh, do what I did, which was blindly accept the recommendations of, of people that will not uh, take any responsibility for the harm that's caused.
0: I think an important point there, too, Ted, is is you mentioned that when you had taken your son or were basically asked to leave the Children's Hospital and you went and sought the assistance of a homeopathic uh, or naturopathic doctor whom was able to to improve your son's condition. And then you went back to the doctors with, you know, sort of high spirits. And my goodness, look what I found. And they basically said, you're a quack and get out. Don't ever tell us about that kind of quackery again. And that, that to me is, is unbelievable.
1: Well, that's where I, it really became crystal clear to me that, they, that the system, at least the system that I had engagement with, was not really interested in health. They were interested in, in maintaining their paradigm. And when I came to them with a, you know, a clearly improved uh, medical condition with my son, um, and I started to explain to them that we were working with a homeopath, a naturopath, uh, doing chelation doing a number of things they basically said go away uh, we're not interested
0: yeah that that's unbelievable. you know and i could see if the son, if your son had improved marginally but the fact that he you know went from having 12 to 15 seizures a day to 3 to 4 seizures a month i mean that is a remarkable improvement you'd think as a as a as a physician you would care about that result you
1: would think yeah
0: and um, Dr. Maltos, uh, since we last spoke uh, during Episode 35, um, where we covered that uh, brilliant letter that you'd uh, ascribed to the dishonorable Bonnie Henry, um, what has happened since then? You know, uh, we understand that the Col- BC College of Physicians and Surgeons has uh, been after you. Uh, how has life been since you wrote that letter?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, anyone that 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 uh, steps out of line in the medical profession is going to have the college calling them on the phone the next day, and Many doctors are still, you know, very frightened to speak their minds and, and in the way I see it, and defend their patients because of fear of the college retribution. And uh, the CPSO, that's uh, that's in in Ontario, and also BC just came out and said that you know doctors must follow college policy um, at risk of being punished if they don't. And I think that's very unethical. Um, that they're saying, hey, put the policies first and uh, and your patient second and doctors take an oath to do it the other way around the uh the thing about policies is they're kind of fixed and they they don't leave room for debate and discussion many times and we're seeing that you know it's very one-sided um presentation of the of the non-science uh by by mainstream media and by the the uh, public health um officials our so called experts and uh i think this is a time where doctors have to stand up and, and actually you know do what their job is, which is to to put their face patients first and, you know, and and stop by cringing in the corner or afraid to even give a mask exemption to someone who's got asthma and, you know, maybe uh, has uh, uh, PTSD and and is ter- terrorized by putting a mask or a, uh, you know, a breathing obstruction over their face. So uh, I am re- it's kind of disappointing, isn't it that the medical profession has has just not stepped up to the plate here. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed actually of of many of my colleagues and uh, sure a lot of them are captured and have been hypnotized or put under a spell by you know for the years through programming but you know um, it, it's and I think the public is feeling the same way that they're very disappointed in doctors but uh, you know it's kind of the same as what Ted is speaking about that you know we, we've been heavily programmed from day one into a paradigm which does not work in a lot of cases Conventional medicine is very good at stabilizing, but when it comes to chronic disease, or when it comes to thinking outside the box for a new disease, uh, you know, we use the same old tools, uh, such as, you know, ventilators and that sort of thing, where, you know, we, we seem almost incapable of um, expanding our, our, uh, our minds to encompass new ideas. And uh, I think, you know, what's happened with, with Ted and his son is a very good example of that, you know, you see something that doesn't fit into your pigeonhole and you dismiss it as it's all in your head, you're a quack uh you know get out of my office you know pediatricians who who have patients come and say you know i i may like to do my uh the vaccinations for my childhood illnesses and a different schedule and they say no no it's either one my way or the highway and um and then you know the patients are set adrift like that so uh, it, it's it is really shocking and it and it needs a change and hopefully some of us will be able to to start that change rolling yeah,
0: I hope so. And, and Stephen, what is your feeling in terms of uh, percentage of doctors who are in your camp of uh, maybe looking at this with a different uh, lens?
2: It's hard to say because, you know, many of them are, don't, are not public. They don't speak out. But, you know, every every week I get, uh, you know, two, three, four doctors who reach out to me and say, look, I'm isolated off in this little town. And everybody I talk to is like, oh, those, these these uh, these experimental covid shots are the greatest things in sliced bread. And we've got to get everyone to have them and they go like these these doctors have not done their homework
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know they haven't they're not doing due diligence uh, in this field and they're coming out with this uh, these recommendations and um yeah and of course we have the right rec-
0: sorry we had the recent situation there in lytton with uh, dr hopf um who is yeah. i guess also the minister in that community and uh, you know raising the alarm bells and the interior health uh, sanctioned him for speaking out i mean and, and he's kind of I, i've tried to reach out to him and he's completely silent so he's obviously been scared into submission unfortunately that's not quite right for Dr Hoff. he's an incredibly brave guy, and he is not silenced. Let me tell you okay well and, uh, maybe we'll get he, get you to send him a message and say, "Hey, you need to chat with this guy."
2: okay, <laughs> I'll do that no no he's he's out there to uh, to create vaccine hesitancy because uh, he's seeing the the damage being' done in his small community of Lytton, b c to the small the, the population there and and, um, well, and, and, you and imagine, just I can't doubt
0: no, and imagine the horror of a physician that's applied. Or, or administered these vaccines, and you know, two of your patients literally die, and several of them are now suffering with uh, life-altering illness. I mean, that has, especially in a community that that small, he may have seen some of these people grow up. I mean, that's got to be a, a horrible burden on his conscience. Yeah, but I should make something clear. He's not actually administering these
2: vaccines. Well, first of all, they're not vaccines, but he's not doing the shots. They're being yeah. done by public health, uh, so they've been taken out taken out of the doctor's hands, kind of done in the dark, let's say, in a way. So doctors actually don't know what's going on. and And then when someone comes back in two weeks later so you know i i I can't feel my my hands or my my left side is numb or i've got headaches every day or my face is drooping two weeks later they go well you know they may not even put the connection together dreaming that that vaccines are safe and effective that means that you you don't know what you're talking about Mm -hmm.
0: so dr maltels we've been now at the mercy of the public health authorities mandates regarding the supposed pandemic for the last 14 months Uh, Has there been or is there any present justification for these unprecedented public health measures?
2: There's not a single thing that public health has done from using toxic sanitizer on your hands to putting these uh, breathing obstructions, which people know as masks, on your face, uh, to social distancing, to quarantining asymptomatic people, to lockdowns and destruction of businesses. There's not a single thing that they have done. Which has been in the benefit of, of the populace,
0: health-wise yeah,
2: sure and financially.
0: Sure seems that way. So why, in your opinion, then, do these agencies continue on with this charade?
2: That is the million-dollar question. So maybe we'll get into that as we go along. But uh, th- there certainly it appears to me that their agenda is not what people think it is. Right. It's just, not for the health of of the citizens. It's certainly
0: not health. Yeah. And, and Ted, you know, we're continually bombarded with by the mainstream media and their message that the, the, the Wuhan flu vaccine is a panacea and the only means to end this uh, pandemic. Uh, how do you feel about this narrative?
1: Well, to me, that's such a, a, a violation of the, of the most basic rights and freedoms we have as, as citizens. Uh, you know, what, what's being imposed upon us as the only solution is is an experimental uh, um genetic treatment that has not received formal approval, it's not gone through the most basic safety and efficacy testing, uh, and, and yet it's being touted as the only solution. And, uh, you, know, you know, you can't give informed consent when you don't know what the risks are, you don't know what the benefits are. And so we're, I, I'm with Dr. Malthouse, I'm incredibly, uh, uh, you know, disappointed is, is, isn't a strong enough word. I'm out, outraged that we are being coerced, and it's coercion. And, and to me, this isn't about consent. They don't, they don't seem to be uh, interested in consent. They don't seem to be interested in what our most basic fundamental rights and freedoms are in this country or countries around the world. Uh, they have an agenda here, and I would, I would uh, support the comments of Dr. Malthouse is that the measures that have been imposed are not health measures. They, these are not uh, intended, and, and, and the evidence is pretty clear, they're, they're not solving the problem. And, and when you continue to do more of the same, it says that that's not really what their goal is. I suggest the goal is the is the control of humanity and when you look at all those measures through that lens, all of the measures make sense and so uh, unfortunately it, it's yeah. and i but I get why that's so hard for many in the public to see it that's to to come to the realization that our governments our public health our mainstream media uh are involved in something as uh, dark as the, the, the capture and control of humanity. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to let that one in. And so we don't want to believe that. And I get it. I get it. And yet, at some point, we have to say, this is this is what's happening. How how far along in the capture and control does it have to get before we finally say, that's enough. I'm standing up.
0: Yeah. I mean, and certainly at this point, you know, 14 months later, if we, we can make these kind of comments on our, you know, I guess, alternative media, um, but we don't see this type of statement being made in the mainstream media. And until it is or you know, reaches that point, the average person isn't paying attention. They think that we're tinfoil hat wearing fringe lunatics, unfortunately.
1: Well, we've been trained to believe that, you know, our mainstream media is, 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 uh, is an independent, truth-telling uh, organization, and, it, and, it, and it's not. And those of us that have been involved in this for a long time, we can see the deception and distortion i i initially thought that if i just gave our mainstream media uh, enough information that they would tell the truth and so i actually spent years writing very long letters to you know publishers to uh the the heads of these organizations saying listen you, you you're you're not you're not reporting uh the facts here are the facts and I very, you know, I I came to the realization reluctantly that information is not the pro- the lack of information is not the problem. The problem is is that they have another agenda, and and I suggest that they there's a corporate agenda. You know, they're being paid to deliver a message, and the message is um, uh, the only solution to this uh, crisis uh, is, is an injection. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Mitch, can you cue that uh, that first slide there about the uh, the small steps towards? Mm. I think this is a, a a worthwhile piece to look at based on uh, Ted's. Yes. Oh, back it up. So, you know, it, it didn't start with the gas chambers. It started with one party controlling the media, one party controlling the message, one party deciding what is truth, one party censoring speech and silencing opposition, one party dividing citizens into us and them and calling on their supporters to harass them. It started when good people turned a blind eye and let it happen. And And we are in a very similar situation right now, unfortunately. I mean, we have the, you know, Canada's co-Prime Minister coming out and saying that anti-maskers are right-wing, right-wing white supremacists. I mean, you know, none of us that doesn't fit any of our bills. And it's like, sorry, we actually have some critical thinking ability and math skills, and we have a knowledge of history, and we don't accept your narrative. We're not extremists at all. We're freedom fighters and and intelligent people.
1: Well, a good example is Dr. Malthouse's open letter to uh, to Dr. Bonnie Henry. It's like these are important questions to ask, and we've been asking the same questions and asking for evidence of their measures and and they uh, not only do they ignore you or if they don't ignore you, they attack you and yes. and uh, uh, I get ignored because I'm a nobody, but Dr. Malthouse, they had a difficult time ignoring him and and so they they then work to either discredit you or silence you and and to me, that's what we're seeing we're not seeing thoughtful discourse we're not saying let's demonstrate the evidence let's uh, show evidence uh, to support the measures let's let's uh, inspire and build trust in our medical system because it is evidence based if anything it's the opposite it's saying do as you're told comply do not ask questions that's the only way forward and yeah. um, w- we need to look at how this is being done as opposed a- 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 as well as what's being done
0: yeah or,
3: or- I have a question. Sorry, I have a question for Dr. Malthouse. What was the response from Dr. Bonnie Henry and what was the gist of that letter?
2: Well, the gist of the letter is just as I mentioned that there's no public health uh, policies that have done any good whatsoever and that uh, fine, we can have these things in the very beginning because we don't know what we're dealing with, but now and actually way, way back in March, April of 2020, we had a good idea what we're up against here and what worked and what didn't work. And yet the continual use of policies, which only were obviously doing harm and, you know, shut the, lo- lockdowns, close closure of business, you know, that's increased the life years lost by 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do we have to wait for here till half the population is dead before public health says, Hey, we made a mistake. Are they being controlled by the political you know uh, influences are they working in tandem with that? I mean, is the WHO calling the shots here in our country? Are we listening to a CDC which is funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? You know who obviously have conflicts of interest. I mean, what does it take for people to wake up? I mean, Stephen, what does it take for doctors to wake up? You're asking too many questions. No, that's <laughs> dangerous. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, that's why you get censored if you ask if you don't ask the right questions. You know, by that I mean if you're not you're not uh, with the uh, you know the propaganda side of this thing you're going to be censored, and people should be aware when they see this degree of censoring at all you know platforms across the internet just about you know facebook and twitter and all that stuff when they see that even the you know passport in the united states can't put out have a twitter account people should be seeing red flags all over the place and saying what we only see censorship when the nazis are here yeah. and that's what we have we're, we're this is exactly like you know the third reich but it's 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 coming down in a global fashion this this required a great deal of planning and a great deal of of, of um pre- preceding propaganda including uh you know everything you see over your tv set so yeah
0: yeah we, we covered that in a previous uh, episode uh i had a great conversation with the ukrainian lady a couple of nights ago who um, you know, experienced the Soviet oppression, and uh, she just kept saying all of these tactics, none of this is new, it's all from the KGB playbook, it's these small, d- no, nobody would accept going from A to B in one step, but if there's 40 steps along the way, the compliant, unquestioning people just keep following, 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 and suddenly you're trapped in this trap, where nowhere to go, and that's where this is seemingly headed, unfortunately.
1: Well, Michael, I would agree. It seems like the people that are most passionate about standing up to this are, are often uh, Eastern Europeans or people that have come from yes. communist-controlled countries, and they see what's happening here. Uh, we had a, a woman speak who, who grew up in communist Romania. and I mean, she was just on fire, and you knew this wasn't an intellectual exercise for her. This was a lived experience at saying, I have lived through this before. Yes. I'm seeing it again. Please, please yeah. wake up. Uh, you know, Canadians have never experienced adversity. You know, we've, we've, we've been very soft. We have not defended our rights and freedoms. We've not had to. And we have this naive, uh, misguided notion that our rights and freedoms come from the government. Rocco Gulati has been really clear with us saying the Charter of Rights and Freedoms doesn't come from the government. It's to protect us from the government. Yeah. And, and that he says that the most dangerous organizations in the world is governments. Governments are the org- organizations that have created all of the genocides and all of the wars, and so other other citizens have experienced the tyranny of government and have uh, they have a skepticism or a, a heightened level of caution about government. The Americans recognize that they have to protect themselves from government, but Canadians we have this naive notion that you know our government really is acting in our best interests. Our media tells the truth. Uh, our medical system, you know, our social medical system, which is, you know, the envy of the world is only about health. And so we, we are, we've been softened for decades uh, to get to this place where uh, we're, we're acting um, like children, in my view. And, and I've said this, is that it's time for uh, humanity, it's time for Canadians in particular to grow up and become adults.
0: Yeah. And certainly your comments about the uh, Eastern European members of our society raising the alarm. Uh, Mitch and I did a, an episode with Pastor Pulowski, uh mm-hmm. last Friday and he, you know, he came out and the you know, first question was, you know, what is uh, what is it like to live under a, a socialist communist regime? And he just said it's hell. And he sort of you know, went on this big rant and, and the comments within that video there's 25, 30 percent of people from either African nations or Eastern European nations that said, you know, he's 100 percent right. That's exactly what happened. And then maybe five or 10 percent of the comments are these woke libtards that are like, oh, you guys are, you know, conspiracy theorists. Wear your mask. Protect the people. Do your part. Like you can do a Zoom call for church. Like, shut up. What's wrong with you? And I don't know if those are trolls that are being put right. in by the, the government. But, you know, when somebody is telling you, I lived through this, I saw this. They're not doing that for, you know, likes or to self-aggrandize themselves. They are, that is a stark warning. This is why I left my home to come to this country because that was happening there and I didn't want it to happen in my life anymore. So I fled to here and we, you know, when we were at uh, the Maxine Bernier chat in Vernon, there was that Venezuelan couple that said, we saw all this in Venezuela. That's why we fled. You know, help us, Maxine, protect Canada from this happening here. So it's not a, this isn't some you know, conspiracy. This is happening and people need to open their eyes to that.
1: Well, it's here. And I think that's one of the bizarre things here. I mean, I, I now recognize we're in a post-occupied state of war here. They, they, they're occupying this country and the, the challenge is so many people don't see it. And, and, and it's like, how, how many of your rights and freedoms are you willing to give up before you finally say that's enough? Where, where's your line in the sand? And I, I, You know, I think many of us hoped that there would be a stand before this and now what we're seeing is many people are being injured and killed by these injections and and maybe that's what's needed uh, for us to wake up.
0: And we we certainly covered this in uh, episode 64 with the author uh, Patrick Wood about technocracy. And, you know, when we're what Dr. Molotov said, this is a plan that's been going on for some time. And that's 100 percent correct. I mean, the Trilateral Commission, which was formed in 74, has, you know, this is their mandate. They are the ones that um, empowered China. You know, the CCP isn't something that they created on their own. That was Henry Kissinger, David Rockefeller and the rest of the Trilateral Commission that put that into place. And they want the rest of the world to live uh, a life like the Chinese do. The Chinese people do, and that's you know I don't think that's acceptable to anybody in this room, and it shouldn't be acceptable to anyone in Canada.
1: Well, the erosion of our rights and freedoms around informed consent of vaccination in this country began 40 years ago in Ontario in 1982, when the Ontario government brought in legislation to say y- y- if you want to go to public school, your children have to have these these uh, injections, and and it was a group of parents that stood up and said uh, that's unacceptable, and and are able to win legislation that allowed for religious exemptions or public or or personal conscious exemptions but in some ways that was already a failure because now it it set the stage saying we have to apply for an exemption as opposed to saying we have the right to say no and and you should have no right to tell me what goes into my body and to me the battle was in some ways lost back then and we thought if we acquiesce and we got exemptions that that it would be okay and to me you know that's the the totalitarian tiptoe, that we have accepted these kinds of violations when we should have stood strong back then and saying, you have no business telling me what gets injected into my body. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So have our public health, I'll put this out to both of you, have our public health agencies then failed society by authorizing an emergency use medical product uh, administered en masse that has not passed any form of safety trials and, and in essence is a grand phase three clinical trial, you know, it's a human medical experiment.
1: Dr. Maltos, so I'll let you <laughs> jump into that one first. <laughs>
2: well, that's a big topic, but uh, you're, you're absolutely right. So the trials were inadequate. Uh, this is an experimental product. It's not a vaccine. It does not prevent transmission. So you can still you get the shot. You're still going to be wearing a mask, and you're still going to be social distancing, and you're still going to be locked up and have quarantines and, and your business shut down because it doesn't prevent you passing it to someone else and then passing it to you. That was never shown. In fact, it wasn't intended to be shown. You know, um, it didn't. These shots didn't weren't shown to um, uh, in the trials to prevent hospitalizations, or ICU admissions, or deaths. So the all the parameters that you would normally have in a trial to 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 determine whether vaccine is safe and effective, you know, that word, catchword, those catchwords, um, were not done. And so here we have an experimental product. We're now in phase three. Um, and if the doctors did not get informed consent, which is really impossible right? Because we don't know the ingredients of these shots. So you can't have informed consent to start with. And if you don't have informed consent, then, you know, you're creating, you're, you're taking, you're experimenting on your patient with, with, uh, in a way which is against the Nuremberg code. In other words, we don't have adequate animal studies preceding it. Uh, patients are not informed that they're an experiment and you cannot balance the risks and the benefits. So essentially you're breaking the Nuremberg code. And I think that code was very important. Of course, that's what the, the uh, The German Nazi that the the, uh, German uh, doctors were brought up, you know, uh, with at at the end of World War Two, and they because of all their experimenting on children. You know what? Doctors were the the, the highest, the profession with the highest percentage of members of the Nazi party. Hmm. They went along with this even before it was obligatory. So they they weren't forced into becoming Nazis and experimenting on humans. They volunteered to do this and uh i don't know what mindset that is in physicians that would allow them to do that it seems it seems very very strange but and you know i don't think if you're a psychopath you can comprehend what goes on in a psychopath's mind yeah, that's true
0: so so dr Maltos, you kind of mentioned that these vaccines function in an entirely different manner than previous vaccines can you please summarize for the listeners uh, how these mrna vaccines function and how they differ from the preceding vaccines
2: yeah. Well, messenger RNA vaccines, which the Pfizer and the Moderna are, are the two examples that we have in Canada. And then the other ones are, are, are DNA vaccines, which actually work in the same way, but slightly slightly different uh, mechanism. And what they do is they produce, um, they're, just, they're thought to produce, because we don't really have the evidence for this, right? That they're supposed, supposed to produce spike proteins, which are found on the natural virus. And when you have those created by your own body, uh, then... The theory is that your immune system will then be turned on to recognize spike proteins and then eventually if you come you become exposed to the wild virus, you'll be prepared to fight it off. But what we're seeing now is that there's so many I don't say errors in this thinking. Uh, just one of the basic ones is that the spike proteins themselves are harmful. We've seen this in mouse studies, that they attack their lungs and they actually cause a lot of destruction. And the spike proteins have, uh, which are um, have a particular type of configuration, which has probably almost certainly been tampered with in in Wuhan and in the uh, in the lab there, has made them much more dangerous. So now we have not only a dangerous virus, which probably escaped from a lab, and was designed to have increased uh, um, increased harm, so uh, enhanced function. Not only that are we dealing with, but now we're creating a a shot. Not a vaccine, which induces the body hijacks its its messaging system to have the cells create more of these spike proteins, which have all sorts of things attached to them, including the risk of causing um, uh, prion disease. So, my God, it's you're 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 fighting a it's like having a fire and going and throwing a whole bunch of gasoline on it. Uh, you know this is completely. Insane, actually. I mean, that's as far as unless it seems insane from our perspective from the perspective of protecting people But if you wanted to kill people, it would not seem insane at all It would seem like a very good cloak under which to slide in a, uh, you know, a, a bioweapon
0: And, and that the, the prions you're talking about that leads to the uh, Kritzfeld jakob disease or mad, mad cow disease Is that, is that uh, where you're going with that?
2: That's correct. So what it means is it attacks neurologic tissue such as your brain and, uh, and causes the, the, the cells there to die off. It's usually a slow process, but it's the sort of thing that at autopsy to look at people's brains and it's like mush. So um, yeah, that's what we're looking at as a possibility here through, these, through both the, the, um, the adjustment of the spike proteins in the viruses themselves before they escape from the lab. And also in the shots, which are designed to hijack the body's ability to create proteins and start to manufacture these spike proteins.
0: So these other, these angle. these mRNA vaccines then have an even greater cause for concern than their predecessors, based on the adjuvants and whatever other ingredients that uh, children and adults were reacting to.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, there's nobody of any age group, of any list of comorbidities that I could recommend these shots to. No one, as a doctor. No one. No one.
0: That's that's a very powerful statement. Uh, then, of course, we have uh, Dr. Michael Yaden, the former VP at Pfizer, um, who has a Ph.D. in pharmacology and spent 32 years working in pharmaceutical R&D. Um, he's made the comment that these experimental vaccines or his, his quote is that I believe that recipients are being misled to a criminal extent. Uh, either of you care to comment on that statement?
1: Th- that's my view that yeah. this is criminal. I, uh, to me, this is crimes against humanity. Uh, as I said previously, there's, you, you can't give informed consent when, when, when there's so little information that's uh, uh, available. And, and if anything, there's a, there's a mass systemic distortion going on. that, you know, uh, In my experience of talking with the public and, and people that have received the injection, and I, and I say, tell me how you made that decision. Uh, do you understand that this is an experiment, that you're part of an experiment? They don't know what I'm talking about and so what's what's clearly evident to me i have not found one person yet who accepted the the injection who understood that they were partaking in a human trial a human experiment and that these these uh in injections have not been formally uh, approved that they've not passed the standard uh trials that that we would expect and even those trials to me are inadequate but so uh, as inadequate as they are they haven't been met. And so people are involved in something that they haven't been told about. To me, that's criminal, absolutely criminal. And then you add to it that there is the amount of harm and injury is uh, no longer in dispute. Um, We had an amazing uh, presentation a couple of nights ago on on our National Vaccine Choice Canada call with a researcher out of Israel who has looked at the VAERS data, and it's very clear that the the amount of death, the amount of spontaneous abortion, the, the amount of uh, injury that's happening within the first 24 hours of the shot is uh, un- undeniable and and yet that information is being uh, is not being made uh, known. and and when someone like Dr. Malthouse comes forward or Dr. Hoff and says, listen, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm witnessing, they they're, uh, they're being told that they're spreading misinformation and that they're being unprofessional or unethical. I mean, this is uh it, again it's hard to really we don't want to see the level of i think the word is evil yeah, yeah you know i i michael i i resisted using that word for a long time because it's a very powerful word but i i i i i think we have to call it for what it is this is an incredibly dangerous time i think we, humanity is, is uh is having an existential crisis. We we are, um, we better rise up and face uh, what's in front of us. Yeah,
0: yeah, it calls for a spiritual evolution from where we are, and if we don't, then we're, that's uh, could mark the end of the human species here. So I just, just wanted to touch on that, uh, the Israeli um, point there, and the Israelis People Commission has just released a report here late April uh, with their bears data, and from 1990 uh, until 2019, the average uh, deaths uh, reported from vaccines is, is about one hundred and ten, I'll say 110, 120, And then in twenty twenty one, which, of course, we're five months into there's two thousand two hundred and four. So there's something grossly wrong with these injections uh, clearly from those from those numbers. I mean, that's uh, we're, we're 20 times the, the the number historically. So something is going on here out of the normal.
2: A couple of things about the VAERS reports, which is about voluntary um, adverse event uh, reporting system in the United States, um, is that, you know, they did a, a Harvard study showing that only 1% of, because it's voluntary, only 1% of adverse events, side effects were reported to that system. And we were kind of wondering, hey, do you think, do you think because people have really keeping their eye on these, these COVID shots that uh, we will we'll do better and they will have a higher reporting rate? Well, they did a study out of Massachusetts, one of the hospitals. They are looking at anaphylaxis and allergic reactions after having these shots. And they found that it was exactly the same, 1% or less, actually, of people of these reported. And these were obligatory reports, right? they had to report this particular type of adverse event. And less than 1% were reported. So we're looking at if we have 4,000 people listed right now for deaths in the United States, multiply that times 100. And that's how many people are really dying but not notifying anyone or being swept under the carpet. And you know, that 4,000, there's evidence that, they're, that actually the CDC is is holding back reports. So who knows what it is, even if we're looking at less than 1%. 400,000 people who could have died, it's quite possible. 40,000 would be 10%, 400,000 would be 1% of reports. And that's that's a lot of people. And as you say, that's more people have died, and reports have come in on this of people having died than the preceding 15 or so years yeah. uh, in total. Yeah, and, 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 and those this numbers. This is three months. Sure, We're the, talking about
0: three months. And th- those numbers are probably largely in excess of what the real COVID deaths are, you know, not the people that fell off a ladder with COVID or, or died in a car accident from COVID. So, you know, if we have, if there are in fact 400,000 people that have been murdered by the vaccine, that's a massive number of people. And we, like you say, we're, we're three months in, four months into this uh, process this year. Absolutely, and you know, people have it like this. They, you know, they get a symptom comes on the next day.
2: They feel tired. They go to bed. They have a headache, and so on. But then it, the symptoms kind of linger. They come and go a little bit, and and then it's not till they, they, they die at two weeks after they're shot, and they may not even put it together, right? Yeah. And um, so they're not reporting it. And then who's going to report it? If they report it, does their doctor write it down? No. Yeah. So it's uh, you know it, it it's it's a it's a how would you say a, a system which is is failing. And in fact, the CDC, uh, they knew it was going to fail, they were looking for a better system, and they never actually put it up. Mm. And uh, we are seeing the tip of the iceberg of the harms that we've done with these shots. So, you know, when you when you weigh all that against the, the what was proposed as a 95% effectiveness of preventing you from getting symptoms, which really when you look at it, the, the um, absolute risk reduction, it's, it's actually around 1%, right, just to reduce your symptoms, nothing to do with hospitalizations or deaths. I mean, is this a good trade-off? No. And now we're going to give this to our kids, right?
0: Well, and and Mitch, do you want to weigh in here with the experience that your uh, friend had with his uh, first shot there?
3: Sure. Yeah, I can do that. Um, so, yeah, a friend of mine, uh, he's in his 60s. He got the shot. Uh, it was kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if it was reluctant or not. He was just kind of maybe more... You know oh well I'll get it he got it he got a notification hey come in and get your shot it was a Moderna shot he hopped on a plane went and got it and uh, you know the bottom 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 line is um, well he was sick a few days later he's in his 60s and he's a strong guy he's definitely a a warrior type individual he's he's no softy right I mean he's a strong guy Um, his wife hasn't got the shot she's contemplating it Um, And I was surprised that he got it and I mean long story short is he was sick he had all the symptoms of I guess you could say a cold or COVID he went and got tested and was negative for COVID and uh, He said to me last night on the phone. He just hasn't felt the same essentially just something's not right tired like uh, like Steven said and um, Just I don't know. I think he's regretting getting it to be honest.
0: Yeah. And of course, then we have the uh, Eric Clapton's piece that came out yesterday saying it's probably the worst decision he's ever made in his life. And, you know, week by week, he's feeling worse and worse. And, uh, you know, God help us if if the hundred million Americans or, you know, the hundreds of millions of people across the world all begin to, you know, even if there's a, you know, one or two percent of those people that begin to experience those effects. I mean, that's a massive number of people. There's some serious. Think pe- of, and think about if you give that to your to your to your uh, your military. Sure. You're going to you're
2: going to annihilate your military and so it's a defense issue
0: sure sure
1: well and giving it to all of our frontline medical doctors and nurses and you know they can decimate our our medical system as you said our military and now they want to give it to our 12 to 15 year olds who have zero risk of dying from covid and so to me there is there is no when you do the risk benefit analysis it doesn't make any sense to be subjecting our children to this and yet uh our government has authorized that, which I find it horrifying. And then there are parents that are lining up their children to do this. And yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's incredibly alarming that that is uh, even being considered sure. much less implemented. And,
0: and of course, we have the other uh, portion of this equation, which we haven't really talked about, is that the government is funding. You know, nobody's paying for this vaccine out of their pocket other than through our tax base. And these pharmaceutical companies are sucking billions of dollars out of the economy through these vaccines and, you know, nobody seems to be kind of picking up on that, that this is the, you know, if if we were a board of directors sitting around the boardroom at Pfizer and Moderna, I mean, we're slapping each other on the backs and, you know, the, the, we're all getting massive bonuses this year because we've perpetrated the biggest fraud in history and we're making we're making out like bandits. And, you know, that's really, you know, it's follow the money that's the trail of 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 coin goes right back to those guys
3: by the way um if i could interject here for a minute uh tucker carlson i just watched this morning he basically came out and said why isn't dr fauci being investigated for crimes against humanity there's a report by you know uh, there's a very i don't know where the report came from but just check out tucker right the bottom line is. There was, in the United States, there was gain-of-function research in 2015 going on. That got offshore to Wuhan because the U.S. government shut it down. Well, the world did. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, he's, he's profiting off of this. Of course, it, it's, yeah. it's very clear. I mean, and Fauci's the he's a saint. Yeah. I mean, come on. So uh, moving along here, I I identified
0: a paper um, while I was researching for this uh, interview here. Uh, It's from the journal Trends in Genetics, and the the paper was entitled uh, Anticipating and Identifying Collateral Damage in Genome Editing from December 2020. And the authors concluded that the range of possible molecular events resulting from genome editing has been underestimated and the technology remains unpredictable on and away from the target locus. Uh, And then a doctor, Romeo Quijano, a retired professor of pharmacology and toxicology at the College of Medicine, University of the Philippines, Manila, noted that some of the dangers of the experimental gene editing when applied to human vaccines, and he warns the danger that the vaccine might actually enhance the pathogenicity of the virus or make it more aggressive, possibly due to antibody-dependent enhancement, as is the case which happened in previous studies on test vaccines in animals. Um, which I guess we also have heard Dr. James Lyons-Weiler uh, speaking about the pathogenic priming. And certainly most other mRNA vaccines have been abandoned because of this problem. And I'll, I'll let you gentlemen uh, weigh in on that. Yeah, I mean, this, it's like you need one more thing to
2: to, show, to, to know that these, yeah. these shots are, are deadly. It's now we have it if you have uh, uh, this, this came out of uh, studies with animals for particularly for coronavirus and in which they sh- they showed after this is in the early uh, 2000s like after the first sars and they showed that if you if you create a an antibody response in animals with a with a vaccine or a shot and you're you know you're thinking you did a great job and then they get exposed to the wild virus that's the natural virus then these these uh, animals would have an, uh, an, an an overactive immune response and then most of them would die and uh, and they, they found something very similar with respiratory syncytial virus in children in the late 60s, where they did the same sort of thing. They they had good antibody responses in 35 children. And then when they got exposed to the real virus, two of them died, and, and 80% of them were hospitalized. They put that on the shelf. They had the same thing with uh, dengue fever. They came up with a shot, and they found that it was actually making these people that got that worse, and many people died. And uh, so these were all shelved. But now they're being brought out, you know, you know, uh, at warp speed uh, with two months worth of studies skip the animal studies and hey let's give those to your children mm-hmm. now does that make sense to anybody yeah. no it doesn't and um you know that's why you know you get one shot of these you may not feel too bad you know, you know you go to bed for a couple of days maybe you get your second shot and now you're primed and now we saw as in the study 60 percent of people had at least level two adverse effects which means you can't get to work uh, or you have to see a doctor you know, I'll wait and see what happens if you get your second shot and then you get exposed to the wildfires. There's going to be a lot of death and destruction. I, we, we're anticipating this and you know, we don't know what we're going to be able to do to stop it. Uh, yeah. Certainly, I would say for people, load up on your vitamin D yeah. because uh, that will help to stabilize your immune system. And that's very important. Yeah.
0: And, and that vaccine that you're referring to is the Dengavaxia, which was administered to seven to 800,000 children in the Philippines. There was somewhere around a thousand children that died. Many more were injured, and they did find that in the in the case where uh, children or recipients had had a dengue fever infection previously, the the response wasn't as bad because I guess they had some antibodies to protect them from the vaccine. But the children, specific children who had never received or never encountered the dengue uh, virus previously, some of them were really wiped out by the vaccine. So I mean we're this could be playing uh, the same, same thing again here. And it's interesting to note that uh, um, St. Fauci and his organization also owned the patent on uh, the Dengavaxia, uh, which was marketed by uh, Sanofi Pasteur, and it was promoted as an essential vaccine by Tedros at The Who since 2016. So, you know, we're, we're, this isn't anything new again, and people are not paying attention. Uh, and, of course, the mainstream media does nothing but uh, continue to promote the narrative.
1: Yeah, we've seen this play before. I mean, this is a repeat, and, and it's almost like they, you know, they, they had trial runs of this, and 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 what they concluded from those trial runs is don't do animal studies. You know, uh, uh, push this through emergency youth author authorizations so that we don't have to have verified third party verification of, of 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 the safety data. I mean. We don't even know really what's in in these injections because they haven't been forced to go through third-party verification because it's it's an experimental use, it's an emergency use. Uh, you know, all of the safeguards that should be in place have been dismantled. It's like having uh, smoke detectors in your house, and and we've 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 taken the batteries out of all of them. You know, so there's no. There's no uh, safeguards in place, and the the early warning system, which is what VAERS is supposed to be saying, we're paying attention for those early signals to say there's a problem. I I don't know how loud the signals have to get, and they're still continuing this, and to me, it's time to end this experiment.
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, and then just going back to this paper, uh, Dr. Kahano uh, has also said that Uh, Exogenous mRNA is inherently immune stimulatory and this feature of mRNA could be beneficial or detrimental. It may provide adjuvant activity and it may inhibit antigen expression and negatively affect the immune response. The paradoxical effects of the innate immune sensing on different formats of RNA vaccines is is incompletely understood. And he adds that an mRNA based vaccine could also induce potent type one interferon resp- responses, which have been associated not only with inflammation, but also potentially with autoimmune and may promote blood coagulation and pathogenological thrombus formation, which, of course, we're seeing with the AstraZeneca vaccine, which now has been pulled from you know, a number of nations. And I guess Canada's following suit, finally, or, or we're still administering it. They all they all have actually that that uh, extra
2: uh, a risk of increased uh, coagulation. You know, it's Pfizer is actually the, the the most dangerous one of the bunch. Okay. They look at uh, the adverse effects from it uh, based on the distribution. I mean, how, what percentage of people got it? How many? How many uh, doses were given out? So Pfizer actually seems to be the, have the worst adverse effect profile. But they all they all have uh, uh, coagulopathies uh, induced by these shots. Um, there's none of them that don't have it. AstraZeneca has generally been targeted as one, and we kind of go after that. But really.
0: They're all the they all have it. All the same. Interesting. Uh, and then he continues to point out that among other dangers, the virus vectored vaccines could undergo recombination with naturally occurring viruses to produce hybrid viruses that could have undesirable properties affecting transmission or virulence. The possible outcomes of recombination are practically impossible to quantify accurately, given the existing tools and knowledge. The risks, however, are real and exemplified by the emergence of mutant types of viruses, enhanced pathogenicity, and unexpected serious adverse events, including death, following haphazard mass vaccination campaigns and failed attempts to develop chimeric vaccines using genetic engineering technology. Uh, you know, and again, this is the, the CRISPR technology where they're inserting genes into uh, whatever the genome is. In this case, it's a virus. Um, so, is this potentially uh, the source of these post-COVID vaccinations? I mean, we see this, the the nation of the Seychelles, uh, which is claims to be one of the highest vaccinated nations in the world. They've got a, a third wave <clears throat> in their double vaccinated population. So, you know, is that a potentiality that we're seeing these basically, you know, new chimeric viruses uh, recombin- recombining and creating something entirely new? It's possible. Uh, this doesn't start to make you think of those old Frankenstein movies where they're wheeling the body up into the
2: electricity. You know, it's it. it these people do not, well, we assume they don't know what they're doing and they have to have pretty advanced thought uh, to be able to figure this out. I, I think these these shots have been around actually for some time. Uh, you know this is my my own theory is that these weren't rolled out at warp speed. They were prepared well in advance because of the of the agenda, which is to follow afterwards, which is to do with surveillance and. Uh, and shifting of wealth up to the upper class, uh, and um, everyone being happy with what they've got, you know? Did you know, when we, we listened, I listened to that, that uh, woman from Romania speaking, and mm. you know, back in, I think it was in the 50s, she said that, do you know what the, the slogan was? It was, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Oh, where do we hear that recently? That's from Klaus Schwab in The Great Reset. I mean, that's his quote, and that, he's made a little video with that on there, so everyone can see that. So it just shows that this has been going on for some time. And uh, and so to prepare this kind of a takeover of the human race, let's say, in other words, sublimation of people and, and you know, forcing them to, to beg to
0: put food on their table for their families, you know. Um, or do, do as we tell you to do or there's no credits for you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And that, that, that requires planning. That requires planning and it requires weapons. And... Um, well, you know, again, weaponized.
0: We, we certainly got a really good taste of that in, in uh, the episode with uh, Patrick Wood and his examination of the technocratic movement and how the Trilateral Commission has been essentially the the the, the, the at the forefront of pushing this agenda forward and, and the, the multitude of other organizations that support him, World Economic Forum, Council on Foreign Relations, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Oh, yeah. So. You know, I mean, they give you a donut. I mean, you get you get donuts for life for for a year, I
0: think, after you get the
2: shot in England, and they give you marijuana uh, a joint in uh, in New York. And they give you if you're a, a nurse, they give you 500 bucks in Texas, and uh, I don't know what we're offering
1: here in Canada. We're probably a kind of well, uh, but... Stephen. If you're in the downtown east side of Vancouver, you get five bucks.
2: Oh yeah, th- so you can get a beer. Yeah. So
1: or, I mean, or a crack rock.
2: Yeah. Aren't people waking up when when they're pushing this so hard despite, and ignoring all the all the flags. Uh, they've, there's a, something else
1: going on.
3: By the way, Uber got? is saying uh, free rides for anybody going to vaccine clinics until July something. Oh, so Uber's yeah. on board too.
1: Well, you know, one, yeah. of the, one of the things that I've been saying about this: this is not the Great Reset. This is the Great Reveal, and what's being revealed is the level of darkness, the level of corruption, the mm-hmm. level of uh, being complicit, and and. You know these organizations that seem to be disconnected are all part of coming together with, you know, uh, with this uh, uh, this tyranny. And uh, I I think the the upside of this is is that they're being exposed to I me. Mean, this is is this is like the Wizard of Oz, and the curtain is being pulled back, and we're realizing, um, you know. Kansas has gone bye bye and and Canada has gone bye bye unless we stand up and do something yeah. so t- take the mask off and smell the
0: bullshit people <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, we, we in medicine we look at this as like a big abscess you know on the surface first it doesn't look so so
2: bad and you just kind of lance it and then you have to but you know in an abscess you have to there, there' are sort of compartmentalization of the parts of the abscess and you have to break those down to actually drain the whole thing and get it to heal from the bottom up. And this is what we we thought we had this little thing, and now we're going deeper and deeper, and seeing how deep the corruption goes in every system, from the courts to the law, to, to you know to the medical system, to the financial system, to the food system, to you know uh, the educational system. Yeah. and uh, we're recognizing this is actually very deep abscess. But I agree with Ted. I think this is, this is the great reveal is we have to see what is behind the curtain first before we can start mm. to remedy it. And uh, that's, where, that's the stage we're in. So it's, it can seems pretty overwhelming, and we keep learning more and more, and it seems like, oh, how deep is this abscess going? And, uh, but it is an essential process for us to turn it around. And for human, human race, uh, I think, because it's on that scale to yeah. go to a different level where we never have this happen again.
3: So yeah. how do we turn it around? I asked the question. Well,
0: I think it's through conversations like this, you know, where we're nobody in this room is a tinfoil hat wearing lunatic. I mean, we're all intelligent, caring people, and we are trying to inform our fellow man about what's going on here, imploring people to do their own research, you know, in an unbiased fashion and, and decide what's best for you and your family. And if the mainstream narrative doesn't deliver that, then it's time to push back, because if you don't push back, it will be rammed down your throat.
1: In in my experience, Michael, and uh, you know, as a psychotherapist for thirty years, w- w- what I notice is that people don't do the hard work unless they're suffering. And what I say is, nobody ever show up at my office and said, "Ted, my life is really good, but I want it to be better." They show up because they're suffering, and they're saying, "This isn't working. I need to do something different." And I think that until uh, enough of humanity suffers. Uh, they're going to just keep complying. And I'm actually hopeful. I, I see, and and in, in some ways I want to say to those that ran uh, ran off and, and rolled up their sleeves and were the first in line for, the, for those injections, they may actually be of service to humanity because they are now bringing back information that says there's a problem here. And, uh, you know, I think many of us hope that if we just gave enough information, we could prevent this calamity from happening. And obviously that's not the case people people needed to confront it they need to see it they need to feel it with their own uh, eyes and their own hearts and their own bodies and so we're starting to see that um i think there's a, a shift that's starting to happen i you know i was in a conversation this morning and we said you know what i think canada's rising we're we're starting to stand up we're starting to rise up we're starting to speak up and i actually think uh you know, those in the government and behind this are starting to become afraid because now now they're really starting to push hard. They're they're increasing the threats, the intimidation. Uh, they're having to become physical. They're starting to assault people. That tells me that that, uh, that this is they're starting to lose control of this. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm actually hopeful. Uh, I'm I'm seeing evidence that uh, the tide is turning. That that people are beginning. To, to see past the deception and the distortion. And uh, and uh, we, we will stand up. We will we will claim our authority. Uh, we'll stop being children and, and just doing as we're told. And we're going to say, listen, my body, my choice, uh, I'm going to honor the most fundamental rights and freedoms. I'm going to honor bodily sovereignty. I'm going to honor a parent's right to make medical decisions for their children. And anything less than that is unacceptable.
0: Yeah, And, and certainly I think now that we have a number of the U.S. states opening up uh, and Texas is providing a great example of, uh, you know, where things are going. And of course, I think uh, Florida in Florida, DeSantis has said that um, all COVID fines or penalties are being thrown out. Uh, and Mitch, if you can if you can bring up that photo of Arlington Stadium uh, last uh, Saturday night where there was seventy three thousand people uh, enjoying the, the boxing match, I mean, it was the the greatest number of people attending an indoor boxing match in history. And yet Canada is going the other direction. So, I mean, I think as a politician in Canada and you see that you've got to be concerned that sooner or later people are going to figure out you're lying to them because Mm -hmm. they are. It it is amazing that people
2: are actually that we're seeing this this turning of the tide and the cracks in the wall that are that are widening when when we've had so much censorship and, you know, uh, everything on the TV is just, you know, hide, hide, hide. It's deadly. It's deadly. Do what you're told. Do what you're told. Yeah. But I I agree with you, Ted. I think this there is. A lot of um, what is it uh, that uh, I know Kala Rinpoche used to say? He was a Tibetan master. Um, when people would come and talk to him about, uh, you know, well, you know, this, what's going on in my meditation? He'd say, he'd say, um, no hope, no fear, very good, keep on practicing. <laughs> Which means that you're saying you don't really have to be attached to the results, you just keep going and the results will naturally occur. And so you don't get attached to oh today's a bad day look at all this bad news and this is a great day look at all this good news you just keep going and you try to not be attached and then then you can you can move through it more easily but uh, I think for all of us even you know those of us that are that are a party to the good things you know we hear what's happening is good around the world that you know we do have our days where it's despairing and we have days where we're we're kind of feeling much things are doing better but I I, I agree with you Ted this is really a test of humanity on a global scale we've never seen this before. And it's like we've all been thrown into a cauldron and, you know, whether we'll make a new alloy, the heat is definitely on uh, us. And the way I see it is that, first of all, people have to have consciousness. So they have to be aware of what's going on around them. Then they have to awaken their conscience. That means what is right and wrong. And then thirdly, they have to listen to their conscience and step up. So it is an integrity test. And... uh, Let's hope for as as a race as humans, that we we pass this test yeah, um, yeah. because we're all being asked in our own individual way to do that. There are people that are fast asleep, and I don't know if we can ask them. They don't even know they're in the part of the test right. they're in, right? they're they're under a spell. Yes, but there are other people who are who are enough, they have enough conscience of what's going on, and they have their conscience telling what is right. and what they how they act with regard to that is is going to determine the outcome.
0: Yeah. So just steering the conversation back to I had a couple more questions for you, Stephen, on the vaccine mm-hmm. issue. Um, so above and beyond all these problems that we just discussed, we also have this issue of the viral shedding from these mRNA vaccines, which uh, isn't new or novel with vaccines in general. Uh, but what are the real risks of this? I mean, we're hearing about women spontaneously menstruating, uh, being associated with uh, a lady that has been vaccinated. I mean, how real a threat is this? I'd have to say we don't know a lot about this phenomenon. I think this phenomenon does exist, that
2: people who are, who don't have the shot themselves but are being exposed to someone who had the shot uh, are experiencing symptoms that they've never had before. A lot of them do tend to be in terms of bleeding, so we have unusually heavy menstrual cycles. We have women who are postmenopausal starting to bleed again, and also we see bruising and so forth. So it seems to be to do with, um, with the vascularity, but there are other things as well, intestinal tract and so forth. What the cause of we don't know. There are various theories. One is that you know we have heard about self-propagating vaccines, which were u- used in animals. The idea to give it to a, just a group of them and then they spread it. So that's a possibility. Different type of shot yes. though, I think than what, than the messenger RNA. Okay. So that's that's in the literature. Um, even Pfizer recognized that in their uh, in their in, yeah. in their trial, telling people that hey, if, you know, if you have a wife who's pregnant and you know. Something happens and you are, you know, someone who's working in the trial or in the trial, you know, that needs to be reported right away. So I think there was an anticipation that this could be could be happening. The other one is, are people producing billions of spike proteins with their exhaling or, you know, shedding from their skin and that people are responding to these spike proteins? Uh, if you had uh, COVID before and you have your immune system turned on and you still have the memory of natural spike proteins, uh, you might then have a, an increased reaction and then there's also a, a third possibility of some kind of, uh, I would say, let's say radiation, uh, like we would see electromagnetic radiation, or uh, where people may be actually kind of like sending out an energy field that could interfere. Mm-hmm. I suppose there's one more, which is the idea of pheromones, because it does seem to be, you know, how women will sometimes align their cycles and so on if they're together. So um, there's that issue of pheromones, you know, could they be under stress for some reason? They, they exude pheromones, they start to, uh, you know, to uh, link up put their, 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 their cycles into some kind of lockstep. But I don't think that would explain so much, you know, things like postmenopausal bleeding, which is a pretty extreme thing yeah. in medicine. Yeah. If we see that normally, we, we investigate it thoroughly to make sure it's not a cancer. So um, there's various different possible mechanisms. I'm kind of leaning towards this fact that people are, you know, it, it seems kind of, again, very science fiction that people are actually sending off some kind of a, signal Mm. from their bodies because we are electromagnetic beings as well as many other things and probably much more profound and uh, uh, beings in in total but but I think that our possibility of putting off electromagnetic forces is is there and if we're looking at some of the studies with regard to um, what is in these shots um, what may be even on the nasal swabs looking at at, that uh, types of nano nanotechnology which creates antenna-like systems in the body, uh, it could be something to do with that. Yeah, interesting.
0: And of course, uh, globally, public health authorities have said that the vaccine recipients uh, may still be required to wear masks, physically distance and avoid crowds, et cetera, et cetera. You know, why would anyone choose to volunteer for an experimental medical product with unknown long-term risks where there's no real clear benefit? I mean, they're just basically being coerced into uh, taking these. Uh,
1: Except they don't know they're being coerced, right? They're they're being delivered a message. Vaccines are safe and effective. You know the the messaging is, is, is clever, uh, but what's what I find interesting is again those that I speak to about asking to understand how they made the decision to receive the the injection. Uh, those that I speak to, they 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 haven't actually thought this through. They, what they give you is these kind of marketing messages well i want to travel i want to see my grandkids it's the right thing to do and and what we know from some of the reports that have done, been done is that there you know there was psychological research that was done to say what are the most powerful messages that will get people to to receive this injection and and, and these are exactly the messages so this thing has been well orchestrated researched thought through um, this is not something that just showed up last March. This has been something that I, you know, I would suggest that the foundation for this has been laid for decades. Uh, and um, the piece I'm curious about is uh, what triggered it to happen now. And, and I, I don't know the answer to that. But to me, uh, it's like they're playing poker. They've put all the chips on the table and they're going for broke. Uh, because they're not allowing any other way to back out of this. And and so I don't know how you save face as a government, as a public health, as a mainstream media, when you've pushed all your chips in and then you have the kind of results that are uh, here. All they can do is keep doing more of the same. And so to me, they're stuck.
3: Can Uh, I suggest, uh, you asked what was the trigger? Can I suggest, I, I mean, in my mind, it's possibly the Trump presidency. I think that they had a plan and he put a you know big wrench into that plan and they had to accelerate things that's just my theory and that's all it is is a theory but i mean you saw that you know he went after china he went after the deep state he called them out and you know it's odd that he pushed this whole vaccine thing because that tells me he's you know he's one of them but anyway That's my that's my thoughts on it.
0: Well, then, of course, we also have agenda 2030 and these people aren't stupid. They know there's no climate change, that we're actually going into a grand solar minimum, which will be peaking somewhere between 2030 and 2050. Uh, China's ramping up its coal production for energy and heat, while the rest of us are being told that the globe is warming, uh, where really we may be going into a maunder minimums type uh, condition. And certainly people have been starting to question the global warming narrative because we really haven't seen warming. In fact, we're seeing the opposite. And so if they're able to achieve this mass control of society, it's another feather in their cap to say, well, look, all these horrible measures that we've made people do, we were right about global warming. Look, it's cooling, um, which really, you know, if we look back in history, climate optima are always warm periods. And, uh, you know, <coughs> Hannibal crossed the Alps with elephants, there was no snow. And and yet we're told to believe that we're going through this unprecedented warming, which is, you know, it's clearly a lie. So it's it's yet one more of their, um, you know, crazy statements. And we have seen, uh, you know, again, um, our co-prime minister, Mr. Singh, there has you know encouraged, uh, well, this this lockdown worked so well to deal with this. We should have a lockdown for climate, the climate emergency. And, And so, you know, we're there's a number of different layers here to this problem. Um, and this is just a great way to condition people to stay in their houses and not go anywhere and create, you know, it's once uh, we have a great quote that we had up here a little while ago um, when uh, Goebbels was at the Nuremberg trial and he was asked, how did the how did the Nazi party convince everyone in Germany to go right. along with this madness? And he said, oh, it's nothing to do with Nazism at all. A population, which is fed fear, right. once a population is in an abject state of fear, they'll do anything you want them to. So this is the precursor, because when you're living in that, uh, um, uh, your your lo- your primitive brain, the, the reptilian portion of our brain, you're not making proper decisions anymore. You're in a in a gut level response. You're not thinking clearly. And so if the population is in this mentality. It's very easy to direct them wherever they want them to go.
3: Mm. Yeah. Well, can I ask you exactly. a question, Ted? Sure um you're a psychotherapist what's with the uh i I read a report once on mass the use of mass the cia guantanamo Mm -hmm. but you know i'd like to hear it from you know uh, an expert and that's you what's the deal with the mass well to me
1: it's not a medical device at all it's a psychological tool and and it's a tool to to uh, uh create compliance it, it, it also diminishes our 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 individuality our our, our authority our, our personal strength uh, you know and, and it's a tool that's been used as you said it was used in Guantanamo 20 years ago and so you can find pictures of how they masked exactly the same with the same kind of medical mass of the prisoners why because it, it created submission but it's a tool that's been it was used by the slave owners it's the way that they uh, diminish the, 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 their slaves to, uh, and, and force them to comply. It's been used throughout human history. So this is a tool that is well understood as a psychological tool. And we've been deceived into thinking it's a medical tool. It's not. It, it, it's, it's a mechanism of compliance. It's a mechanism of control. And, and cleverly, it, it, it identifies those of us that uh, refuse to comply. And so it, it helps them to identify which one of us are dangerous.
0: Well, that was certainly my experience re- returning from <laughs> Colombia when I you know, showed up at the immigration line without a mask. I mean, it was I was, you know, immediately the alarm bells were going off. Good Lord here. We don't want this non-compliance virus to spread. Let's get this guy out of eyesight and hide him off in the corner, which was, you know, that, you could see that I was a real threat to their their narrative. It was interesting. Yeah, it's like a reverse yellow star. Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So, you know, the gentlemen, your thoughts on the present government of Canada's continuance in, in pushing these vaccines on the population so hard. And, and, and the other issue, of course, is the unprecedented mixing of vaccines for the second dose. I mean, is there a, is there an issue here, Dr. Maltos, or I mean, I guess we don't really know, do we? It's a, it's a grand experiment. <laughs>
2: well, there's no issue if you don't if you don't have any trial before it, if you don't you, know, you don't care about the science, uh, you don't care about the evidence. Hey, then it's no issue, right? But uh, I mean, mixing mixing medicines. I mean that without any evidence that you can do that. Safety trials. I mean, it's it's it really is. Uh, if you could ex- if you accept that, it shows that the body of people that accept that are they ha- they're corrupt. Yes. They're corrupt or really really stupid. And I don't I don't think stupidity is the issue here. No. And uh, uh, you know that the ACIP uh, agreed that fourteen to zero that that these shots which should be given now given this was just this week in in the United States should be given to 12 15 year olds. So how does 14 out of 14 people decide that they're going to give a bioweapon to a segment of the population that does, does not suffer from the disease and has a zero statistical death rate?
0: Yeah. And, and that's uh, your you, now that's the Canadian group, is it that uh, or is that? A no, member? ACIP is the USA, Okay, but
2: we follow we follow whatever they
1: say, pretty much.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and was Canada the first then to uh, authorize the administration for the 12 12- to 15 year old segment?
1: That's my understanding. Yeah,
0: I, I can't say that for sure, but they're certainly in the forefront. The United States
2: follow close behind and European countries are are doing the same. Right. This is just the idea. This is I mean, no one in their right mind would do this unless sure. they had another reason for doing it. So it just shows this lockstep process, how everything follows country by country. They're all doing the same thing. It means that they are following a script. Yeah. They may, well, who would give those people, who's going to give our prime minister a script, right?
0: That's well,
2: right. for someone who stands up and says, I love China because they're so, you know, if you have a dictatorship, it's so good at getting change into your society. I mean, these people are listening to someone above them that is telling them what to do and has bought them.
3: Well,
0: and it's certainly votes or money. Yeah, certainly Mr. Dressup doesn't have the intellectual capacity to come up with any of this. I mean, I think that's uh, very, very clear. For, right. For, you yeah. know, that's uh, this is this is beyond his intellectual capacity to have, to have formulated these plans.
1: Well, and it's true for all of our premiers. It's true for all of our public health officials. You know, this isn't Bonnie Henry's idea. This isn't, you know, John Horgan's. This isn't uh, Mr. Kenny's. This isn't, uh, you know, Mr. Ford's, uh, Theresa Tam's. I mean. That they're they're following a script and and uh, I think that's what should alarm us is that you know none of them are showing up saying listen we have done the research this is the evidence this is why we're doing what we're doing and, and inspiring confidence in Canadians what they're doing is saying uh, we're you know if they were honest they were saying we're not running this country guys we're uh, we're being told what to do and so the question is who is running all of this yeah. and and I don't know that we know the answer what we do know is that leaders of the world are not making these decisions uh, individually yeah yeah that's correct and, and
0: of course you know we have uh, Dr. Kolvinder Gall out in Ontario that's been sounding the alarm kind of your counterpart in the East uh, Dr. Malthouse, and you know the Ontario College has been sanctioning her and, and you know she's kind of a public enemy number one for speaking the truth and asking these questions which are you know questions that all Canadians should be asking what's in these things what's the safety right. record why are why are you f- uh, you know, pushing these things so fast into the population. We don't know the results. I and, mean, you know, in Europe, there was a number of uh, even last year where they were looking at the quadrivalent and trivalent flu shots amongst the seniors that uh, had much w- at more adverse uh, reactions to the COVID virus. So what is going to happen with somebody with a history, 10-year, 20-year history of flu shots that now gets one of these COVID vaccines? What's going to happen to them? Mm-hmm. Or, or these, you know, children that have been vaccinated with God knows what, you know, unnecessary uh, medical interventions and then they get received one of these shots what's going to happen to them or what's their
1: long-term prognosis but michael just by asking those questions you're now a domestic terrorist you know that
0: well i'm I'm a right-wing fringe uh, lunatic of course right so uh what do you do and uh, it's yeah. It's
1: and and i'm part of me is you know i was smiling as i said that but i shouldn't be because <sighs> that's exactly what's happening is that we we are Uh, What's happening now is those of us that are questioning. And and to me, these are legitimate questions. You know, Tucker Carlson got attacked for asking a very simple question. How many people have died following vaccinations? He didn't say the vaccine caused it. He said, what's the numbers? And and what became uh, evident in mainstream media is even asking the question is unacceptable.
0: Well, and you know, so that clip is very difficult. You cannot search for it on YouTube. You cannot search for it on Google. You go to DuckDuckGo. It's it's down the list and it's not a YouTube link. It's a link directly to Fox News. I mean, that's not a conspiratorial. It, it's a question. Right. What are the facts? And, and the fact that that has been suppressed in mainstream media slash social media to me is, is a, there's an alarm bell ringing there. You know, when, when we can't ask those questions right. or somebody is 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 crucified for asking those questions. We're uh, we have a problem uh so you know if these vaccines are safe and effective as claimed why do the manufacturers continue insist on indemnity for their uh, production because they're not safe and effective <laughs> right in other words they, they don't want to be
2: sued for something which is going to kill a lot of people yeah.
1: and to me what's interesting is that they have indemnity around harm or death caused by their products but they don't have indemnity for fraud. And so when you actually look at their reporting, when you, I looked at the report of Pfizer to uh, the U.S., uh, to the FDA for for the emergency use authorization. They're very clear how little data they actually have in terms of safety, in terms of uh, the effect on uh, pregnant populations, on children, on, on people with comorbidities, all those things. And, you know, and so if you read that document, you'd say, I, I wouldn't think about having this thing injected into me but that's not what the public is being told and then you go to the Health Canada website or you know uh, uh, CDC BC website or whatever it is and you know uh, vaccines are safe and effective this has been thoroughly tested I mean they're, they're lies. Com- complete lies yeah. and, and uh, you know I did an article in, in uh, Common Ground last month where I uh, compared uh, what Pfizer says about their products compared to what Health Canada and, and BC CDC says and, and they're not the same document right right Right. Yeah. And just to just to dial back the conversation
0: slightly, uh, Dr. Malthouse, when we're talking about administering these substances to 12, 15 year olds, I mean, we there is some evidence now to show that there may be uh, autoimmune response to placental tissues from these spike proteins, which means potentially that all these young women that are being injected with this could potentially become sterilized. And, And that's you know, that should be ringing alarm bells of all parents out there period i mean this has a yeah i mean that's that's a to me when i read that i was you know oh my god right. like that's that is incredible i mean you know never mind you're gonna get a little bit of illness or something but you know if you're if, if this is sterilizing the population where does that lead i mean that's uh, this could yeah. be the end of humanity
2: yeah absolutely because because the 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 proteins um uh, that are being created theoretically by this shot are uh do have cross-reactivity as you mentioned to a lot of proteins in the human body there was a study showed that 28 of the 54 or something like that had cross reactivity to human tissue already but of those which is probably going to be a very important one for the for the propagation of the human race is that syncytin one is a protein which is found in the placenta and also in sperm and that uh, if you create cross reactivity these which is one of the one of the cross reacting proteins then you're going to have an immune system attack on your placenta and on your sperm constantly that means if you're pregnant and you take the shot that you're going to have, uh, you're going to have abortion or miscarriage. Which we've and seen. It, that's right. We've already seen an increased uh, percentage. And also if you're planning on getting pregnant, uh, you may not be able to, because as soon as you start to try to implant the placenta, which is part of, you know, the growth of the fetus in the in the womb, uh, it will be attacked by your own immune system and it will not implant. So infertility is a very high risk. There may come a day where you're going to, you want to get married to someone. And you may ask them to show them your card that you've not been vaccinated. So if you want to have a family, yeah. uh, so it's kind of like that, almost the reverse. Yeah, very high risk. And uh, Michael Yeadon uh, blew the whistle on this one, said, hey, this is such a high risk that stop, stop. Yeah. Don't give these shots to anybody. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and then, you know, this this statement, if we could explore uh, that we need to be uh, prioritizing the most vulnerable in our population for this vaccine. Uh, is this a realistic or a sadistic statement? <laughs> Go ahead, Ted.
1: Well, I'm of the opinion that there's there's no population that ought to be taking this experimental injection. Uh, there, there are other treatments available, and uh, those treatments are not being acknowledged because if we did acknowledge them, then they wouldn't be able to use this uh, experimental injection under an emergency use authorization. So they have gone overboard in denying that there's any other form of treatments. Uh, to me... Uh, Again, there is absolutely no reason for anybody to be taking this uh, injection. Yeah. So
0: let's just explore those other uh, protocols that have been working. I mean, I guess uh, Dr. Maul tells right from the beginning, I mean, we in this flu season, people should be taking a little more vitamin D, zinc, vitamin A as, as a general health uh, improvement. But we've seen that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin have been very effective in the treatment uh, of this. Uh, which, of course, was vilified during the Trump campaign. And we have, I think there's, you know, there's global studies now that showing both of these substances are, are very beneficial. So uh, if either one of you want to sort of comment on, on that, it would be appreciated. Well, there was a study came out of Malaysia showing that if people had adequate
2: vitamin D levels, they had a zero mortality from COVID. So, I mean, that was a very good one. But they also showed that intensive care unit admissions, uh, mortality, uh, hospitalizations, Um, all those things were very much affected by vitamin D levels in the person's body. So for people who want to to have a natural way to to improve their immunity, uh, in particularly above 35th parallel, where, you know, um, that latitude, we actually don't have enough sunshine to convert into the more active form, at least in the chain towards the active form of vitamin D, that we need to take supplements. And uh, if you don't take supplements in Canada, you will be vitamin D deficient severely vitamin D deficient by the time we get around to April. And of course, where we see our peaks of influenza in the past is where people, you know, uh, are vitamin D deficient um, in the spring and also where we saw, you know, the, the so-called waves, you know, of this COVID disease, um, which could have been anything. We, those were occurring at the times when people had low vitamin D. So when you put it all together, we know that people sh- taking vitamin D supplements will be, be, be better protected. And I think this is going to be very important to try to prevent this uh, pathogenic priming that, means that having had the shots, people in the fall get exposed to the wild virus, they get really, really sick. But you know, what kills people is not the virus in in COVID. Mm -hmm. It's the second and third stages, which are the overreaction of your immune system, which cause inflammation in every tissue. And then the coagulation, coagulation, which is coagulopathy, which means you have bleeding and and clotting, uh, which is the third stage. And so those two, by the time you get to the third stage, you have no viral particles. The viral load is pretty much zero. And so let's not blame this virus on it. It may trigger the event, but it's the terrain of the person that's getting it uh, that's that's part of the big problem. And if we can counter that by making sure people are in tip-top health when we come into the fall, and this also applies to people who are working behind glass, who wear long sleeves, who put on SPF four and higher, uh, who are blocking conversion of vitamin D in the skin. If, if we can actually make sure that Canadians and people around the world have adequate vitamin D levels, also people with dark skin, um because of the melanin in their skin they don't develop create as much vitamin d um there are other other ingredients here how thick is your skin obesity things like that but if we can we can do that we may be able to save a lot of people from getting very sick in the fall when we when the real viruses start to come out
0: and and so what would an adequate supplementation be i mean obviously we see the you know the sort of require the recommended guidelines of four or five hundred i use which obviously is uh, ridiculously little. I mean, we're we're probably talking in the five to 10,000 plus depending on your body weight. Yes, correct. Well, you know, there's, it's it's hard to know how much to take. So we usually recommend four or 5,000 per day,
2: and then to have a blood test done usually in a, in, in one to three months. <clears throat> and um, and that will tell you what's adequate for you. Taking it with magnesium is a good idea because it helps the, the absorption. Uh, taking it with vitamin K2. Now K2 is not the one which is interferes with clotting, that's K1. But K two is also a good thing because it helps to uh, to to act like the conductor directing the vitamin D and, and how it does its work. So um, and there are other things too which can take like vitamin A also plays a role. So a good a good plan for nutrition and multivitamins is important. You know it's it's best to get your vitamins from the food and your and your vitamin D from the sunshine you know, your conversion in your skin. That's the best, but it's not always possible. With people living in northern climates. So we have to we have to supplement or go to Hawaii. But uh, that sounds like a better way of doing it. <laughs> you can save all your save all your uh, supplement money and, and take a trip to Hawaii you'd be okay but you need something which ever all nutrition works together it's like a plant you can't take one extract and expect that to do the job it's like a chemical factory which everything is interdependent and so same thing with nutrition and vitamins so a good multivitamin vitamin D uh, 4,000 5,000 per day you know vitamin A is usually included in the multivitamin make sure it's a good one and uh, omega-3 to balance your diet North America um, vitamin C, because we have to get that from the outside, and so I usually recommend 1,000 milligrams per day, and uh, you can increase that uh, to bowel tolerance, which is a way of telling how much you can absorb. And um, maybe some selenium might be worthwhile. you know. So there's ways of, of, of adjusting it to the individual. Zinc is usually included in a multivitamin, so you're okay there. Um, I think that people should really start to think that the terrain, who they are and their ability to resist infection is probably more important, certainly more important than a mask, a face shield, staying in your basement uh, and
0: being full of fear. But Stephen, that requires personal accountability. That sounds very difficult. It is more difficult.
2: Yes. And uh,
0: but this is what I mean. We're going to have to we're going to have to take the reins
2: back here and stop, grow up. Throw rel- up. Just as Ted said, stop being children. Stop expecting the nanny to protect you. You know, we've, we've got good evidence that we, if we don't stand up on our own two feet, uh, we're not going to stand up at all.
0: And then, uh, what about ivermectin and HCQ? Do we want to touch on those? Are those too sensitive for you to. to... No,
2: no, I'm not too sensitive for to me. I mean, gosh, there's papers you could stack to the ceiling showing ivermectin's effective. 80% of deaths would have been prevented if people had been given ivermectin in the United States. Wow. That's by you know, looking, uh, doing meta-analysis of all the trials, and every trial they did on ivermectin showed that it had a positive result. So 100 of the trials showed it benefited, and 80. percent Now you can take it preventively, you can take it for treatment in the early stages, and you can also take it as you, you know, if you're hospitalized. So ivermectin has covers all the range there, which is quite good. But there are other things too: inhaled steroids, uh budesonide, for example, in, you know, inhaled, uh, nebulized hydrogen peroxide, ozone therapies, studies out of Spain. Um, you know, high dose vitamin C, vitamin D, and taking large doses. I have uh, one, one uh, colleague I know who does what's called the vitamin D hammer. That means when they start getting sick, they take 20,000 units three times a day for two days. That usually does a trick for them. Um, there are a lot of things. Hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and azithromycin, that combo which Dr. Zelenko showed was so effective, uh, but other doctors have done the same. I mean, it's yeah. Richard Bartlett. There's so much of, out uh, there.
0: Texas is uh, one of the, I guess, people that brought that treatment to North America, or the absolutely or the And also,
2: there there are a few other things, like maybe an aspirin, if you're looking at coagulability as being an issue. Uh, I know uh, Dr. Peter McCullough has a, and the uh, the Association of American Physicians Surgeons has come out with a home treatment guide, what to do at the different stages. So if you get to about day eight and you haven't recovered, then it's time to pull out some of the more heavy guns, and uh, that's usually where you'll see the turning point about day eight. Uh, in the early stages you may not have to treat at all homeopathy they, they did they looked at 200 cases uh, around the world cured with remedies such as bryonia uh, wow. uh, You know, very so, successful cheap and so, you know
0: really we're talking about a flu here this isn't this you know killer virus that's going to eliminate mankind because it's so virulent and pathogenic I mean what you've just described to me sounds like a regular flu season where people can take simple measures to avoid getting sick yeah certainly I, I i mean it's hard to know because we look at the people themselves so you know having other illnesses
2: and taking drugs ace you know uh, uh, hypertension medicine some of that we don't know how what role those play in terms of increasing people's susceptibility to illness of different lengths. but we do see that this immune system overreaction sounds like something is wrong with with people and if that's what kills you hey you can do a lot to to change that but it does need study and you know, let's face it our our experts are uh, at least the ones we're seeing on mainstream media are not in this game to help us out. No. Uh, not not once has vitamin D been mentioned by public health. Yeah. And it is, we have an epidemic of vitamin D deficiency in
0: Canada. Yeah. And and we have a lot of peer-reviewed scientific papers showing that, you know, that, that uh, morbidity from COVID is 100% related to vitamin D deficiency. So, you know, for pennies on the dollar, or pennies on the dollar compared to what has been spent by governments, they could have sent out a kit to every household in Canada with, uh, yeah. you know, a, a very simple, would have cost five bucks for a family for a month, um, absolutely and, and and you can buy it in bulk it's very very cheap actually yeah, of course. and
2: uh, it doesn't need to be put in the refrigerator it doesn't need to be frozen down to minus 70 degrees you know what i mean and you know we in fact actually back in march i sent letters out around to, to everybody including bonnie henry uh, right up the chain of long-term care and to my i spoke to the, the sent something to my yeah. local hospital and they just said well you know vitamin d you know let me know if it works out type of thing and you, there's lots of material up to that point with regard to respiratory yeah. illnesses and they just ignored it or poo-pooed it. And there was even one email which said, well, those people up in the Comox Valley, they, those doctors, they think vitamins can cure everything. That sort of comment. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so they had a chance to save a lot of lives. Yeah. They could have had vitamin D increased and monitored in long-term care homes across the country, around the world. And they neglected to do that, it seems almost intentionally.
0: Well, I, I know that there's a group back east that are looking to put together a Nuremberg 2.0 trial for all of the uh, public health officials and bureaucrats who've uh, um, been accessories to these murders. And so hopefully that comes to pass and people are put through and, and they're held accountable for these decisions and, and lack of action. Mm-hmm. So l- let's uh, move into the, uh, the realm of in the, the concept of informed consent, because, of course, this is really a pillar of what's going on here. Um, you know, what are the, the primary requirements of this concept, Ted?
1: Well, I mean, th- there's two words in that, that uh, phrase, informed consent. One is to be informed. The other one is to give consent. And to me, uh, what's happening is neither of those are, are happening. People are not being informed. And, and, you know, I would argue that it's impossible to give informed consent around the COVID injections because we don't have enough information. So uh, the only thing you can say is we don't know. Well, to me, that's not informed. And and consent means I have a right to say no, and there and and you look at the Nuremberg Code, you look at the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. There, there's uh, for consent to be genuine. There's no co- coercion. There's no consequences, you know, financial and all those other uh, measures uh, uh, to force consent. And so we're seeing all kinds of coercion happening here. Uh, people are being their livelihoods are being threatened. I mean, I'm being contacted on a daily basis by doctors, nurses, uh, airline pilots, uh, longshoremen, firemen, who are saying, we are being told that if we don't get this injection, we won't have a job. And to me, that's not informed consent. And so th- our, w- what's happened is our medical system has lost uh, the most fundamental uh, component of an ethical system. And, and uh, it, w- th- there's the loss of, uh, we, 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 we're at a place now we should no longer trust our public health system, because they're not acting uh, with, uh, with with uh, ethics. They're not act, acting with the most uh, basic, fundamental uh, um, components of a, of a of a ethical medical system. Um, and that's you know whether you believe in 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 the injection or not. We should look at the process here and say this is a flawed, This is a dangerous process. This is a violation that we we cannot tolerate. You know. Back in, in, in the 1940s with Nazi Germany, we the, the, the rallying cry after the Nuremberg Code was never again. And here we are, it's happening again. Yeah. And we should be standing up and saying, whatever happened to that uh, declaration of never again? Um,
0: yes, yes. And, so, and what is the legality surrounding that? I know I saw um, a press release by Health Canada that uh, said that we encourage all of our employees to, to get this vaccine, and then in the sort of the, the closing comments it basically said that you may be terminated if you say no. So w- what is the legality surrounding that?
1: Well, I, I mean, that's something for Rockwood to answer probably, but uh, my assessment of the situation, that, that violates informed consent. That violates uh, our constitutional right to bodily sovereignty, our, our most basic, our security of the person. Uh, our right to a livelihood, all of those things are, are threatened through through those kinds of uh, intimidation tactics, and they should not be tolerated. Yeah. Uh, if we don't live in a society where our Charter of Rights and Freedoms is foundational, we're in big trouble. And what the government is arguing right now is they can be our charter can be suspended because of special circumstances. Well, if that's the case, then there will always be special circumstances. Sure. And so uh, that's why I say we're, we're at a time that we either – assert that we are free uh, beings with sovereignty or we say the government gets uh, to decide who we are and and uh, has control and uh, my hope is humanity says i'm a sovereign being
0: sure sure and, and you've said to deny choice is to deny freedom mm-hmm. uh, can you explain that
3: statement
1: well to me the, the, that's the, the most basic element of freedom is when we get to choose and when you're denied choice, I mean, you, 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 we're, we're being turned into chattel. We're being turned into slaves here. Uh, and, and again, this has happened uh, over decades is that we have allowed that most fundamental basic right to bodily sovereignty to be eroded. And uh, it's what I said uh, earlier is that back in 1982 in Ontario, we should have stood up to that legislation and said, go away, you have no right to say what goes into my body, or the body of my child. And instead, we negotiated and got back some exemptions, which I think was, in hindsight, was a huge flaw, a sure. huge mistake.
0: Sure. And so how is censorship then affecting informed consent around this issue? I mean, censorship, I, as we sort of before we got on air, we were sort of chatting that this may be a conversation that is banned from YouTube. So and I think we've had a pretty factual conversation referencing facts. You know, we're not making up stories that these aren't salacious claims. Um, you know so how, how is the censorship from I guess both uh, you know mainstream media as well as uh, big tech affecting this?
1: Well, let's face it, the censorship is being imposed by government. I mean with the legislation being proposed here in Canada C, uh, C10, C-10 it, it, you know it gives authorization uh, to silence uh, conversations like this and, and not only silence it but uh, criminalize it. I mean the language coming out of the states is that we we are being, Labeled as domestic terrorists by having this kind of a conversation. I mean that should send chills down the spine of every freedom-loving person and so censorship is the tool and and that the slide that we started off today with that said, uh, you know Nazism a Nazi Germany didn't start with the gas chambers. It started with uh, silencing people it started with censorship. It started with there only being one voice. That's how it starts and Uh, those that aren't involved in this movement may not recognize the level of censorship but when you go looking for things now you can't find it and what I was saying is that when we would post things uh, six months ago it might be up for a couple of months before it was taken down and then it seemed like it was up for a couple of weeks before it was taken down and then it would be only up for 24 hours before it was taken down and then I have been in conversations that have been taken down while the conversation is happening. Wow.
0: And like on a zoom call or that yep. type of thing. Yeah. Yep. And th- that's why we're using WebEx now. One of my uh, previous guests, uh, Dr. Tammy Nemeth, that produced a report uh, outlining the influence of uh, some of these foreign NGOs and, and foundations on the Alberta energy industry, uh, which is there's, there's very clear links. Uh, her husband is within the uh, intelligence community and he is forbidden to have Zoom on any of de- his devices in the home. So clearly um you know we've shifted to webex for that reason and so if you've had a first-hand experience of that i mean i would encourage people to dump the zoom platform and you know yep. it's just very interesting that it was uh suddenly proposed as this came through and so you know big brothers listening to all your conversations and looking at what's in your house and seeing your great uh plaques up on the wall behind you it's a great way to get uh, interned in a concentration camp for uh upsetting the snowflakes i agree with you ted i one hundred 100 that this is uh... in in the
2: in the words of samuel Goldwyn, uh with regard to um guard with informed consent it's it's impossible and uh because you don't have we don't as you say we don't have the the knowledge to to actually inform and we are we are coercing and mandating away consent and uh you know we we talk about choice and that we're saying people have choice and we're taking away their choice but i'm not so sure people have choice to tell you the truth Right. I think this is a little bit what this is kind of about, because, you know, a machine doesn't have choice. It's either on or off, you know, and uh, it's it's a computer doesn't have choice. It's, you know, it's zero or one. And and do humans really have choice? I,
1: I put that out to you guys. Uh, mm. Do you think
0: they do? It's becoming more and more diminished on a daily basis.
1: Well, I, uh, uh, Stephen, I think it's a great question. I, I think uh, humans... Um, one is they have to be conscious. you talked about this a few minutes ago. they have to be conscious. they have to exercise conscious uh, awareness. They have to they have to have authority, they have to claim their authority. So there's a number of components that are needed for choice to happen. And if you don't have enough information there it's impossible to, to to have choice. And uh, you know the the field of, of information is becoming so narrow is that, you know, the choice is, uh, is um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like thinking that we're, we're living in a democracy where we get to choose whether it's li- liberal or, or conservative or, uh, you know, Republican or Democrat. What we know when you stand back, there's not a choice there. They're the same, right? It's the illusion of choice. And I think we've been seduced by the illusion of choice, but uh, the, 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 the choices have been constrained for us, right?
2: I would say that's to do with inform information. So, and also that's kind of the exterior aspect of it. But to actually have choice as a as a as a being, what does that require? I think you touched on upon. You know, we talk about consciousness. So you have to actually know that there is, you know, there is a choice that's required, or something. You know, that these are the two op- options for you, and you know, being able to discriminate among them. But you know, I, again, I think this is part of what we're learning is how to stop being like a machine, mm. and um, where we're, we're easily coerced because you know that someone dangles a donut in front of us and we go towards it, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, so they if if you want to have do a psychological operation on people, um, and you know how that works as a machine, you can win every time because you dangle a donut and they go this way, and you dangle a marijuana joint and they go that way. You know what I mean? And right. so they'll do what you tell them because it's machine like. So I suspect that we have to learn what it means to be in a position to make a choice and then to make it and then to be able to make it, which I think it requires will. And that's where people have to make an effort is to require will means means battling against something or going against something that you did mechanically before in a different way to have a different outcome.
0: That's that back to that evolution of the human consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So one thing that we didn't touch on and I think we if we didn't uh, are these vaccine passports. Um, which, you know, Mr. Dressup up seems to be pushing hard for uh, CBC released uh, an article saying that 80 percent of Canadians uh, are in support of this. I'm not sure who they who, who and where they conducted that survey on. But, uh, you know, what are your thoughts there and how can we avoid um, these you know, potentiality of this coming to to limit our travel or limit where we can go, and you know, Ticketmaster has said that there's no shows unless you're vaccinated, et cetera. So right. this is kind of a uh, dangerous mm-hmm. precedent that's mm-hmm. been set here.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. In, in the beginning, they called these immunity passports, and then what's become m- m- clearer and clear is that you know this injection doesn't doesn't actually give you immunity. So it's got nothing to do with immunity. It's not. It, it, it it's these passport systems are not based upon health or safety. No, they'll market it as that, saying you know, this tells you who's safe and who isn't, or so that you can travel safely. To me, um, if you can still become infected and if you can still transmit, then then it it it, it doesn't serve that function. To me, these are mechanisms of control, uh, and and it and it's a very dangerous uh, step when we move into this because. Uh, right now, they're saying that it's about uh, the, the decision around whether to vaccinate or not, and, and, and those that don't vaccinate will have restrictions. But they can set up then any kind of criteria when they now can restrict you. And, and uh, we, you know, this isn't con- conspiracy theory. Just look to see what's happening in China with the social credit system, sure. where there's a very sophisticated system of determining your merit as a citizen. And if you're too low on that social credit score— uh, it, your access to travel, to, to your own finances, to all kinds of things are restricted. And so to me, this is, that's the mechanism that's going to actually uh, fully enslave humanity. And if we permit that passport system to be implemented, I think that they've, they've got us for a long time.
0: Yeah. Of course, that's a technocratic principle, Uh, you know, it's nothing to do with communist China. They they haven't invented anything in a long time. And that's what's been given to them by the uh, Trilateral Commission. And of course, that's they're trying to spread that across the world. And, you know, one should look at the Green Deal in Europe and what it proposes. Uh, because you know they're looking to micromanage your life right down to how many pounds of carbon dioxide you use. And if you've used too much for that month, then you're probably not gonna be able to take the bus and you're walking. I mean it's it's uh, ludicrous the level yep. of control that they're proposing here. So
2: yeah, and I, I would also say if I could interject that I don't think we really need these paper passports. I think that they're a bit of theater. By that, I mean that people get those shots and you're gonna be able to monitor them with a cell phone or something to know if they had it or not. If you've seen on the internet people are putting magnets like fridge magnets, they're sticking to their wounds there's more there than this, you know, again,
0: I just saw that yesterday. I mean, I don't know if, you know, I don't believe everything I see, but if, if there's actually enough metal in your arm to stick a magnet onto it after a shot, I mean, there is something entirely different going on here.
2: Absolutely. And
0: you know, people are used to passports because it's
2: a piece of paper, it's a little book. In fact, we kind of proud to have a a Canadian passport, you know? So it's kind of like that, that totalitarian's tiptoe that, uh, uh, Yep, you know, it's been used by persons whose name I won't well mention. <laughs> we'll be we'll banned be from YouTube
0: make... again from that one.
2: <laughs> a very far-seeing person. And uh, the, the totalitarian tiptoe, you know, this is part of it. It's how we've had that carrot moved a little bit further, a little bit further. further. And I think that these vaccine passports, uh, again, are uh, just a bit of that, a bit of theater, because we'll accept them, whereas we may not like the idea of putting a chip in your arm or the fact that nanotechnology is going to make your whole body... Uh, telling us what you've had and had and had, which shot you had, when you had it, that, that sort of science fiction type of monitoring, people aren't ready to accept that and they would rebel against it. But they'll take a little passport. It means they can take the, have their holiday or maybe go see their relatives somewhere in the country. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little bit like that. So I think that's theater. I don't think these passports are really necessary at this point. Um, and, of course, you know, like in Israel, uh, where they have passports like that, the the, the, uh, the the shopkeepers didn't know what to do with them and they were never told hey wait they can't come in without a passport mm-hmm. they kind of didn't know what their job was it was just a scare tactic that you had to get the passport and people went for it but then they have to have them renewed in six months mm-hmm. so um, uh, you know if, if you don't obey right. you're now under their thumb you're controlled and if you want your passport you've already said well i got a passport and I just need like a driver's license you have that big jump to get it and then afterwards well I just gonna renew it you know mm-hmm. and speaking of cars you know, if everything is electronic and, uh, you know, I was speaking to a couple of people in, in Kelowna about a month or so ago, and they were telling me how one one uh, the, the woman's business, one of the people working for her couldn't get his car started. And uh, it was an electric car and uh, he well, hadn't paid made his payment. They
0: just turned it off remotely. Yeah, I mean, the only reason that Elon Musk is. Pushing for electric vehicles isn't to save the planet because, of course, CO2 is plant food. He wants and the technocrats want the ability to control your life where if your social credit score dips below a certain point through his 5G network, he just disables your car. The, the doors are locked and the authorities come and unlock the car and throw you into an internment camp. I mean, that's uh, sure. I mean, people should yeah. be, you know, other than the fact that the, those cars are more polluting in their process. And sorry, Ted, in, in uh, <laughs> yeah. the development of their battery packs and everything else, than then the equivalent um, gasoline engine car. Uh, which is also far more recyclable. Um, none of it makes any sense. But, you know, again, people have been led to believe certain things through the mainstream indoctrination system. And uh, they're simply following along. And, and yeah, I mean, gasoline is buck forty here in Cologne. It's ridiculous the price it is. And Mitch and I were chatting about that. You know, when uh, 08, when uh, fuel or the price of barrel was close to $150 and we were around the same price and yet fuel is uh, $60 right now or uh, yeah. oil is $60 a barrel. So why are we seeing these ridiculously right. high prices? It, uh, doesn't and make
2: architecture sense. is the same. They're already de- design, designing buildings where if you don't have enough credits or, you're, you know, you cannot pass through a door, you can't go up in an elevator, you'll be locked in your home. You know, if you go for smart buildings, that's what you're going to get. And you don't need a passport to get through those. It'll be reading your body and telling you whether you have enough. And that'll be controlled centrally uh, if you're not a good a good person.
3: Unbelievable. Does Ted drive an electric car?
0: Well, we're 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 trying not to squeeze him too hard here. But yeah, I, I pulled up and he was driving a shiny blue Tesla. And I said, have you given up on gasoline, Ted? (laughs)
3: well another thing that those electric cars can do is also you know monitor all of your conversations and track you with gps 24 7 not that your cell phone can't but it's just one more thing i'd like to mention for sure and and not to imagine
2: that that technology is going to be used that would be very naive
0: yeah absolutely absolutely
3: so uh especially since we know elon musk is a technocrat his grandfather was the grand poobah google it
0: of uh, the technocratic movement in Canada in the 30s. And, you know, what, whatever he's doing isn't for the benefit of mankind. You know, in the same way that he moved into Bitcoins, now moving out and and uh, with the pipeline back east where the hackers just got paid five million in Bitcoin, I think the next uh, domino to fall here is going to be Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, I, in my opinion, is, a, uh, is another means in which the middle class is being stripped of their assets because you've spent your real dollars, your life energy to put it into a digital platform, which can be unplugged and it disappears, and you've got no, uh, nothing to show for it other than a loss of your life energy. So, uh, Ted, wh- where do the uh, legal challenges stand in Canada right now at the, at the moment? Are we, are we getting anywhere with uh, some of the actions that Rocco has put forward?
1: I think we are. I mean, there's a there's a number of layers to this, and and Rocco has said uh, a few times to us is that uh, first of all, this is this is not a quick fix. Um, it, it's a necessary process, but it's not a fast process, and and so this is part of uh, exposing that the government is not operating um, based upon on evidence. Um, we filed back in July, July the sixth, against the government of Canada, government of Ontario, uh, Theresa Tam, uh, Canadian Broadcast Corporation. Um, the the defendants in that claim have, have yet to file a statement Still, of defense. Well, yeah, so that's not a surprise. They don't have a defense. Um, Rocco will be applying uh, to the courts uh, for. I, I'm trying to remember the language about some kind of a summary decision from a judge. I, I suspect the judge is not going to grant that. He's going to. Uh, go back to the defendant and say, you need to file something. Um, but more urgent or more recently, uh, Rocco filed a number of uh, actions in Ontario, one on behalf of the police. Uh, and the, the, the claim was is that the government of Ontario was uh, uh, requiring police officers to violate the Charter Rights and Freedoms. And uh, um, so that got filed two weeks ago. Um, the Attorney General for the government of Ontario applied to the courts to have that uh, uh, that case dismissed, saying that it was frivolous and without merit, and um, uh, the judge refused and no said, absolutely, and the judge says, no, you're going to have to make your arguments in court. So that's that's uh, good to hear. Um, Rocco also filed on behalf of families and, and uh, educators who uh, d- do not want to see the masking of our children in schools, the forced PCR testing, use of hand sanitizer, all of those things that are... Uh, incredibly destructive to our children, physically, emotionally, psychologically, developmentally. Um, my understanding is the, the same attorney general has also filed to have that dismissed. I, I, I can't imagine a judge would dismiss that. Um, uh, part of the delay in, in the court proceedings is, uh, is uh, finding the experts who would be willing to testify. And so that took uh, a lot longer than, than we thought it would take. And part of it is that far too many experts have been intimidated into sure. silence. Um, but Rocco was uh, able finally to, to find experts who would testify. My understanding is is that the uh, the amount of uh, uh, evidence affidavits that is being submitted by the experts is more than 3,000 pages. Wow. Uh, um, and so I, I see this moving forward. The, the filing in British Columbia that Rocco is also doing with uh, Action for Canada is uh, imminent. And... Um, uh, the government uh, is, at some point, they're going to have to defend themselves in a court of law. And Rocco, what he says is, we're looking for an evidence-based conversation in a court of law. And um, what I know is the government doesn't have the evidence. So they're going to do everything within their power uh, to, to deny, yeah. to discount, to, uh, uh, to try to prevent the courts from doing what they need to do. And, of course,
0: one of the fundamental questions in that argument will be, to prove that there is a pandemic, and based on the the death numbers, you know, from 20, 2020 versus years past, they, that that is where the argument ends, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Well, that and 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 the fraudulent PCR testing that is being used to sure. you know as the excuse for for you know all of these the measures. Mode. I mean, it, it, there's been a number of court rulings globally that have said that the PCR testing is fraudulent; it has no merit; it it can't be used to justify, and so. Uh, I I think the government is well aware that, you know, they don't have much to stand on. This is theater, uh, this is coercion, and uh, uh, the courts is one system of of holding them to account. But uh, more imminently, we have to stand up as citizens and and defend ourselves.
0: Absolutely. So in conclusion, then, for today's episode here, gentlemen, uh, what is the advice that you have for the people of Canada and what must they do more or less immediately uh, so that they maintain their freedom and liberty?
1: Well, you know, I look at um, freedom movements throughout history, whether it's civil rights, whether it's uh, uh, Gandhi in, in, in India. I mean, what we, ha- what we see there, you know, in Poland and all of these movements is when the masses finally stood up collectively and said, we will not comply. Uh, we w- no longer uh, recognize you as having authority. And, and 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 so what what the citizens are figuring out here is governments only have as much authority as we give them. We actually delegate authority to them a- as part of our system of governance, and we have the right to withdraw that delegation of authority when, when they violate uh, their code of ethics, when they violate their oaths, and when they overstep their authority. And we're seeing all of that happening. And so uh, uh, what I see is Canadians thought uh, that government was acting in their best interest. And and what's been revealed is that that's not true. We thought the medical system was acting in our best interest. We've discovered that's not true. We thought the the mainstream media was acting in our best interest. That's not true. And so I, I think Canadians have gone through a period of shock and grief And then now they're finally beginning to stand in their authority. And so, as I've said earlier, I see uh, things are starting to change. I see Canada rising up. Uh, I see people starting to stand in their authority and saying, no, I will not comply with measures that have nothing to do with health. Uh, I refuse. And... uh, I think we're going to see a significant shift. I think the consequence of that is government then will have to ante up and become even more abusive than they already are. And our job is to stand firm. And uh, I, I think there's enough of us that say, you know, I've lived with freedom in my life and I'm determined to make sure my children and grandchildren experience freedom as well.
0: Yeah. Amen. And, Stephen, anything to add to that?
2: It's hard to add something to what Ted said. Uh, that is the bottom line that people are going to have to stand up and take back their sovereignty stop trusting in the experts, do their own research. And, yeah, they're going to have to stand up, and it could be they're going to be standing up with a gun pointing at them in the end, because I do believe that uh, the chips are on the table. Uh, this is an all-in game. This is the end game of a Third World War, which is occurring, actually, most of it in your inside your head. Yeah, I guess they've, taken, they've taken over your, your psyche through uh, propaganda, et cetera, and it's been ongoing for some time. Uh, I would say that we do need some urgent things to do right now, and I think uh, what people can do is they can take off those useless masks, they can hug their neighbors and they can protect their children. This is essential because our children cannot speak for themselves. They cannot defend themselves. We cannot send kids to schools where they put masks on them, and isolate them and get them covered cover themselves with disinfectants that are toxic. We have to stop that right now. And whether that requires taking your kids out of school, I don't care. I think that's your best thing. I mean, we're all gonna have to, you know, maybe, I mean, some people are really caught because they're, put food on the table they have to work and you know so they can't they have to send the kids to school but think of try to come up with creative ways to get around that problem such as you know getting a bunch of kids together you know and have one hire one teacher together or have one one parent stay home from work one day a week and try to work it out that way but we've got to protect our kids and do not give any children i don't think anybody but let's say i just want to make this clear that uh, don't give any children these shots you're going to make your children sick if you don't kill them. And uh, I don't know how we can stress that any longer, that these, these shots are not vaccines. They are bioweapons. I I can only presume that that the people who are presented them know that because the technology has been around for a long time. And uh, and we, we have to step up and protect ourselves, too, with good nutrition, lots yeah. of sunshine, you know, out with your neighbors, your friends. Stop obeying. These ridiculous rules have some civil disobedience because they're just crushing you. They're causing you to lose your business, your livelihood, your money, your family and your lives. And uh, we have to stand up and say, I'm not doing that anymore. Just as Ted said, this is this is a a test of everybody to, you know, enough of us to be able to stand up and say, I'm not going to do that. And I don't care what you do.
0: That's my message. Yeah, thank you. And, and certainly tomorrow we have uh, May 15th is the World Freedom mm-hmm. Day. There's rallies planned all over the world. And I know this uh, this show is reaching about 55 countries these days. Uh, I'm sure most of those countries there is a um, some form of freedom rally. Uh, Ted, are you you're probably going to be at the one tomorrow in Kelowna here? I'm speaking, yes. Okay, great. Well, I'll be in the front row cheering you on then. Great. And uh, I'm not, anything going on in your neck of the woods there, Stephen? You know, I'm not sure. I, I might have to be doing uh, some meditation retreat
2: to kind of uh, to to connect with my fellow uh, protesters. I I like a I, I like to go to the rallies. I think they're really important for people to realize that they are in a family, a family of warriors that are standing up and speaking yeah. out to defend the rest of humanity, who are many of them are, are still fast asleep. So uh, I think uh, if you get a chance, people should definitely go to the rallies. If you can't, um, you can say say your prayers and do your meditation practices at home and and, uh, and
0: contribute that way. Yeah, fantastic. That's great.
3: I got something to say. Um, go right ahead, sir. So the i guess just to what ted and steven said good words from both of you um in the case of myself my daughter goes to public school here in lake country when they implemented the mass mandates for grade sixers uh, i told her you're not wearing a mask i phoned the vice president principal of the school and i just simply told her look this is a violation of uh, human rights this is a violation of the constitution Uh, Did you know about vitamin D? I give her lots of vitamin D. She didn't this is a vice principal of a school She had no idea. She'd never heard that vitamin D has any use in this case and uh, I basically just laid down the law and she said no problem She's on the exemption list and she to this day has never worn a mask out of 30 kids in her class She is the only one now her friend Uh, I called her friend's parents and I said, hey, you know, this is what I did. Why don't you do it? To my knowledge, they haven't. Now, her one friend takes the mask off and the teacher says, why don't you have your mask on? And she's, oh, I forgot it. And I hear this from my daughter and I say, you tell your friend to say not because I forgot it, because it's a violation of my human rights. Like So that's one of the things that I have done. Uh, I do not wear a mask anywhere I go and I never will. You know, uh, I once came through the airport about uh, two weeks ago uh, back from a trip to Costa Rica and uh, videoed the whole thing. I've yet to post that. But, uh, you know, I, I basically just read the Quarantine Act and read the Constitution to the border guards and to the health Nazis, and they did nothing. I got no tickets. There's nobody has showed up at my door. There's no repercussions. And if there is a repercussion, I'll fight it. Yeah. To the bitter end legally yeah right so um, what what everybody is saying here is just it's resonating with me this message needs to get out to all Canadians and Americans and human beings in the in the planet take that goddamn mask off your face it is the number one symbol that we're still in this you know and quit watching TV and I mean People will say, "Well, well, we're, why are we watching you? What, you know, who do you guys think you are?" Well, you know, these are experts. This is uh, these are doctors and psychologists. These are experts in their field, and we're not paid off by any force, any government. We're not. We don't. Nobody's in our pockets. As a matter of fact, I'm paying to get this word out there, like mm-hmm. because I think it's so uh, crucial. Like I am so sick of this. Like. I'm looking at leaving the country. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I just got back from Costa Rica. I bought a house there. This is the last uh, day in this studio because I sold this house. Um, I may or may not get another place here in Canada. We'll see what the next two weeks brings. I want to stay and fight. This is my home. This is where I grew up. I love Canadians. I love my country. But I'm effing embarrassed at what I see, and I do agree with Ted. We talked about this before we got on here. I do agree that it does feel like there is some kind of an awakening happening. I'm seeing it on LinkedIn in the business community. I don't pay attention to Facebook and the other stuff. You know, I see it out in the public less mass. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got to say. What, what do you got, Mike? I haven't heard any closing words from you.
0: Well, I mean, I just uh, continue, uh, you know, Ted's um credentials are beyond his academic credentials I mean, he lived through the effects of vaccination, which, you know, the the, one can only imagine the, the horrors and the emotional turmoil that that caused for Ted and his family, which was completely avoidable. And so when we're looking at, you know, how would a parent feel if you administer one of these or, you know, took your daughter in to be have a shot or your son. And when that person is in their 20s and looking to start a family, they're they're sterile they're barren i mean how would you feel or you administer that shot to your your mother or father or grandparents and they die and so you know this is a flu and people need to take account of their their health as as dr Malthus was saying you know there's there's very simple uh, techniques that you can do i mean and if you're if you've decided that eating fast food on a daily basis and not exercising is your lifestyle then unfortunately, you have to pay the consequences for that. And there is nobody's going to there's no magic pill. There's nothing that's going to be saving you. And, you know, uh, Dr. Maltos you mentioned, you know, people with hypertension and so forth uh, are seeing this a comorbidity, which is having a negative effect, possibly from the drugs or the actual condition. You know, that's that's a lifestyle problem in, in most cases. And so if you've chosen your life uh, style, which isn't healthy, now you're atoning for your sins. And Mm -hmm. and people think this is this to me, this is the grand wake up call of of the COVID era, that people must be accountable for themselves because if you're not, nobody's taking care of you. You know, the the system doesn't have your back. Your doctor isn't going to save you. You are responsible for you and your and your the safety and health of your family. Educate yourself. There's so much information available in in today's world that, you know, perhaps when you administered the vaccine or let your doctor administer the vaccine to your son, there was a lot less information available at that time. And since then, you know, there there should be no parent that's blindly going into a doctor's office and letting your doctor poison your child. And the same applies to these vaccines and every Canadian who thinks that they're, you know, in some of our comments from our last video with uh, uh, Pastor Pulowski. You know, we had these people who are like, oh, like this is, you know, you guys are lunatics, like wear a mask quit spreading this disease around. And it's it, they're so far out of, of reality because they're simply, you know, digesting the mainstream merit, mainstream narrative um, and they're suffering for it. And, and the rest of us are suffering along with them. So, you know, be bold. You know, the message Canadian, be bold, be, stand up, stand, stand up, up, do some research, you know, don't listen to these public health officials because they haven't done anything right since the beginning of this. And look at what's happening to our to our neighbors in the south. They are getting back to normal. Canada is one of the few countries now where we're still being dragged further and further into this. And, you know, we just had Doug Ford saying that everything's closed until June 2nd. And, you know, same thing with these travel restrictions where Mr. Dressup says, oh, it's April 30th. Well, they've been you know, none of this is going away until everybody says that's it. That's enough.
1: That's right. It's only going to go away when we say enough is enough. and and claim our authority. That's right.
0: So uh, for
1: listeners at home, if if, uh, people would
0: like to know more about uh, you, Ted, and your organization, VaccineChoiceCanada.ca is the website. Dot com. Dot com. Okay, we'll we'll put that into the show notes. And uh, Dr. Malthouse, I guess you're kind of maintaining a bit more of a quieter profile. (laughs) Or is is, is there not quite, I try not to be too quiet, but uh, I would say that if people want to get involved in
2: their, their, their healthcare practitioners, that they should go to Canada Health Alliance. Which is CanadaHealthAlliance.org, and they should become members of that organization, which is an umbrella organization that uh, is designed to bring together, to network, and to uh, and to envision, you know, how we can turn this around and create a better future uh, mm-hmm. in in healthcare. And also keep an eye out for the uh, Canadian Doctors Speak Out video, which will be coming out uh, pretty soon, and uh, called uh, this second one called uh, Protect uh, Protect Your Children from Harm
0: okay great And if you can send me that link I'll uh, I'll get it up and posted uh, once I receive it from you okay
3: and show up, and show up tomorrow at uh, the rally if you live in the Okanagan you know drive 45 minutes to an hour you know if you care about your freedoms um, there it is I've gone to those I mean when you have a, a great number of people it's definitely empowering and yeah. the police are, are completely useless not useless but helpless um, And actually they're behind the protesters is what I saw.
0: And as our friend David Ike said, you know, we are the many and they are the few. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we realize that that the few cannot control the many, that we have strength in numbers, we have strength in unity and that the more that we divide ourselves into, you know, racial separation, political separations, anti-mask, pro-vax, blah, blah, blah. All this nonsense is just it's, it's separating us into more and more minutiae of division. And when we all realize that, as our esteemed friend says, that we're all infinite expressions of the same thing, having a human consciousness as a as an infinite uh, being infinite, uh, you know, there, this is a finite life that we're experiencing and that we all need to make the best of it and that we all are the same. We're all together in this not in the way that we've got to wear these stupid masks and what have you. But, you know, we are we are the many and we have the power to turn this around if we all get on the same page and uh, work towards that. It'll happen. All right. I, I have trust. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a, an absolutely uh, pleasure to spend the time with you and you've provided us with some tremendous information and, and uh, more importantly, hope. And uh, as Mitch has said, you know, encouraged everyone you know, get off your ass and get to one of these um, protests. And I'm sure that the government is looking at these. And when they see, you know, a few hundred people or a few dozen people, they laugh. Uh, but if we can get thousands of people out there in a real show of strength, they're going to start to uh, tremble in their boots and, and maybe start to make some better decisions.
3: Do what the Ukrainians did in 2014.
0: Push back hard.
3: Yep. Yeah.
0: All right, gentlemen, that's great. You, uh, we'll see you, Ted, tomorrow at the, at the protest there, and uh, we will be receiving your prayers and meditations, Dr. Maltos, uh, remotely. But you uh, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll look to uh, reconnect here, uh, hopefully with some positive news that we've been successful in the near future.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Mitch. Fabulous. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you.
3: Cheers. Be strong, Canada.
0: Bye now.